Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. Well, greetings from Florida. I'm from the Panhandle here. Um, I was just watching a replay of last night's One American News with um, Dan Ball, and he had Peter McCullough on. And it was, it was right up until like 30 seconds before the show started watching. I'm going, oh, no, you know, because I had to uh, – I wanted to switch over and come on, on the show here. But there's some fascinating stuff uh, that was just revealed there. And so that that is quite amazing. So, yeah, he's uh, – it's weird. There's only so many channels you can watch, kind of flip around. And when you have replays, you know, you can catch the uh, the other ones. Still trying to get Fox News on my uh, on my Roku system here, but uh, no luck yet. And the only one I really want to get is, is Tucker Carlson. Uh, some of the other novelty people maybe, but uh, but that's about it. Uh, Fox News appears to be have uh, appears to be on the dark side now, and they're in the the uh, you know the McCarthy or or you're a, you know you're an enemy <laughs> camp. And so they had a clip of. Uh, Earlier show, I think Tipping Point had a clip of, of Sean Hannity trying to beat up Lauren Boebert, Representative Boebert, uh, because she wasn't, uh, you know, with the program, right? So the, the program is from Fox News, and, and uh, well, of course, all, all the leftist stations are, are on board with the deep state. But uh, Fox, you know, we, we thought they might be uh, a little conservative, but no, they're not even a little conservative now. Now they're just straight out left wing. And so it's really strange. So you're watching Hannity, who's taking his marching orders from the, I guess, the, the Murdoch brothers, the, the sons of Rupert. And it's like, yeah, I mean, this is this is the way it goes, that the Republicans cannot be Republicans, that they cannot be a party, they cannot be independent, they cannot think for themselves. Uh, it's it's a deep state. You know, they, they've got to be with, with the government. There's like the government and, and the people. And they're two completely separate entities. And the government, you know, thinks of itself as its own place. You know, there's this future article I'll be writing on, on the nation of government, you know. Uh, and so it's, it, the government has become its own country. And it functions like a country uh, separate from people. You know, and, and we're like the colony. So the states are the colonies of the federal government. And they think that they can do anything, spend anything, you know, put anybody in that they want. It's all done ahead of time. It's all arranged like a communist Politburo. Uh, and uh, anybody who defies, you know, the, uh, the, the, the natural order of things is, is somehow the enemy. Well, to me, those are the patriots. <laughs> those are the only ones who are worth it. So the title of the show today, oh, my God, there really are some Republicans in the GOP. You know, it, it's kind of a shock to find. Now, I know my congressman, Matt Gates has been pretty good about all kinds of things. Uh, I'd love to have him back on the show. So, so Matt, once again, the invitation is open for you to come back here. And, uh, you know, we have more ideas for you than, of course, anybody else does, because that's what we do here at Action Radio. So it would be nice to have him back. In fact, I had a friend of mine post on Facebook that uh, she had a friend who uh, talked to him about, uh, about standing strong. So I need to talk to that friend. <laughs> So we'll see what happens, yeah. But uh, we need to get Matt back on the show um, because, well, there's this kind of uh, a, a sort of an infamous story. I haven't told this one in a while. But uh, um, way back when, when I was at WBY and I'm brand new and, and, and Matt, uh, Matt Gates is brand new to Congress, uh, I sent him an email because the, the, the Republicans had, uh, under Paul Ryan, had totally abandoned Trump. This is in 2017, right? So I started March 1st, 2017. He started January 20th of 2017. And because that's the you know, inauguration day, the new Congress comes in, or maybe it was January 3rd of 2017. Anyway, so off they go. So the new Congress gets started, and, and Matt beat me to my job with his job by about three months. And so I wrote him an email, and I said, you know, dear Mr. Gates, <laughs> I said, you, you know, you, you've completely abandoned Donald Trump. You, you're letting him hang out there in the breeze. You're letting the Democrats do anything you want. You're, you're not even fighting back. I, I said, you're, you're like bringing a, a peace sign to a gunfight. 
you know, referencing my, my San Francisco, you know, previous heritage, you know, living near the Haight-Ashbury and the whole bit. I mean, I'm well acquainted with, with the peace folks. The peace folks were actually good about one thing. The hippies were really good about one thing, questioning authority, you know, until, of course, they became the authority. And now, of course, then you can't question them. So it's, a, it's the ultimate hypocrisy that the hippies who, uh, as, as, you know, as uh, idealistic uh, teenagers, you know, said question authority. Well, see, I never lost that. I'm still questioning authority. Uh, although I missed the hippie years by, by a few. I was a little too young for it. Um, it is quite fascinating to, uh, to see the difference. Anyway, so I sent this line, you know, I said, and you can use it. I said, you go ahead and use it. <laughs> you know, you, you're like bringing a peace sign to a gunfight. Well, sure enough, you know, he actually told me about it too. He said a few days later, um, you know, right there on, on uh, Fox News. I forgot who he was with. He says, yeah, we Republicans are like bringing a peace sign to a gunfight. Well, when I saw the clip, I, I just, I almost fell off my chair. I was like, whoa, this is pretty incredible. And, and so this was the, this is the, the kind of thing we used to do because I'm good at writing and I'm pretty sarcastic and I, you know, I got a, a really good uh, streak of, of that in me. Uh, and so I'm able to, to do all this stuff. You know, if you've heard any of my satire pieces or any of the stuff we do here, I mean, comedy is king. <laughs> you know, we make fun of anything. Uh, maybe even things we shouldn't make fun of, you know, very serious topics uh, can be pretty funny sometimes. And so, uh, so I, you know, uh, Representative Gates and I, we, we talked every week, uh, only about 15 minutes, but that was, that was plenty because I could get a lot accomplished in 15 minutes in terms of information. Uh, and so I was able to give him a lot of bills. We got, we wrote the, uh, the citizenship, um, you know, census question, you know, the, the, the census was required to ask citizenship uh, when they did their census. That was ultimately overturned by the Supreme Court. But we talked about that. I wrote a bill with callers on the air at WBY, got that to, to Congressman Gates. He reported it back favorably and took it to Washington. I mean, that, that, that was action radio. That's exactly how action radio should work. Well, then, of course, I got fired three days later, uh, and uh, that, was the end, that was the end of it as far as WBY was concerned. But we'd already established that, you know, in fact, he even said so, and I've got a recording, which I play periodically um, the, on that interview, that he says, this is a viable way to get legislation to Congress. Well, unfortunately, after that, he hasn't been back on the show, which is really, I think, incredibly unfortunate because we've missed, you know, all this time between 2018 and now uh, to be able to talk about things in an open forum where people could listen and exchange ideas with us and, and we could get our citizen legislation out there. Well, let's, let's, let's you know, and then I look, uh, let me, I look back on that time. I think, you know, to me, it was a waste of time because I wish I had the opportunity to speak with him directly on the show. But in terms of legislation, it probably wouldn't have made a whole lot of difference because once the Democrats stole the House in 2018 and, and the Geldings let them, then uh, there was no point because under Nancy Pelosi or pretty much any Democrat, there was no, no way that a Republican bill or even an amendment was ever going to come to the floor. So they were just kind of marking time uh, and asking, you know, really nasty questions in, uh, uh, in the oversight, but they really couldn't do anything. So that's the problem with having, having parties in Congress. You know, when you have one party controlling the other party, one party has absolute control and the other party has, you know, doesn't even have a voice. They have no control. Uh, at least in the Senate, you have a filibuster. So it takes at least some members of the minority, if it's less than 60, um, to be able to bring a bill to the floor. And this is why the Senate, uh, the, the Marxists are so desperate to get rid of the filibuster so they can, they can rule um, the country without any Republican vote, votes, votes, voice, things like that. <laughs> I try to combine them there. So that's what's going on in the, in the Senate. So I would actually make all bills a two-thirds vote, you know, so that it requires, not that it requires both parties, but it requires enough people uh, to make a decent decision. And I think you can make Congress can make a decent decision unless you have a two-thirds vote, you know, because one over half is, means that only, you know, one less than half disagrees. Well, that's not, that's not enough of a, of a consensus. 
you know, so I'm going to push for That's one of those constitutional amendments uh, that I would, well, not constitutional. Let's try House rules first. Let's see if I can actually do it the right way. But uh, it'd be nice if, uh, you know, all votes were, were two-thirds, you know, to pass a bill and four-fifths to override a presidential veto. Now you're on to something. Now you've got some serious uh, consideration of a bill. And then, of course, the other things, Congress can't borrow money. Uh, uh, all the bills have to be read <laughs> you know, before they can be voted on you know, in open session with everybody there. And they get a quiz on it. You know, there's a lot of things to do there. Anyway, so so now that um, let, let's fast forward today, that I couldn't be prouder of of, um, of the 20 members of the Republican Party that are actually, party that are actually acting like Republicans. So contrary to the Sean Hannitys and uh, um, you know the rest of Fox News, maybe t- except for Tucker Carlson, he's, he's he's the only exception I know of, and I haven't checked a couple of others. Maybe. Uh, Maybe Lauren gave them too, but I'm not sure. Anyway, so with, with the exception of Tucker, you've got uh, the Fox News barrage is is all on the, you know, you, you have to have McCarthy or, or we're going to beat you into submission crew. You've got Newsmax, which absolutely is on board with McCarthy or, you know, we beat you into submission. Like, what's wrong with you? You know, you're, you're not patriots. You're not, uh, you know, we're, we're wasting time. Said, and, of course, a few people are standing up and saying, no, we're not wasting time. This is great. I'm one of them, okay? I am all for this. Uh, I don't care how long the debate goes on, but I think they really need to make it clear uh, and say this every single day, every single news opportunity, every chance they get, that they're simply not voting for McCarthy. McCarthy is not going to be the Speaker of the House. And just stand strong. So, look, we're going we're gonna to figure out a solution, but it's not going to be McCarthy. So all you people standing and, you know, screaming and yelling and, and saying, what's wrong with McCarthy? If he, if he makes enough compromises, will you vote for him? If he does this, will you vote for him? If he, you know, it, it always ends with, will you vote for him? And, of course, the answer is no. You can't vote for him. And I, I went over this, I think, the other day, uh, maybe yesterday, the day before. I've said this a few times. There are two things that, that, that I have said consistently throughout this entire uh, process since May 20. One, if the geldings don't, that's the, the gelding old party, that's the GOP, for those of you that are, are new to the show. If the gelding old party does not fix the problems with the 2020 election and, and overrule the fraud and uh, turn those, those fraudulent Brandon uh, electors into Trump electors and fix this election and reinstate Trump, there is no other election. And that, that was proven. It was proven in 2022 with the continued vote fraud. The fact that Republicans only got four, you know, members of... Uh, uh, of Congress in the, in the majority. They're only a majority by four members of Congress. Well, that's nothing. It should have been, you know, 40 at least. It should have been 60 if they actually ran a decent campaign. Uh, so there, even, there wouldn't even be a question. And there'd be a lot more real Republicans in the Republican Party, and there wouldn't be so many geldings. Um, that's the first thing. And the second thing, I said, well, that, uh, if McCarthy becomes uh, Speaker of the House, there is no Republican Party. There's no voice for the Republicans because all you're going to have is the deep state. And those, you know, the first one is proven to be true because 2022 was a terrible election and it filled with vote fraud. You know, uh, Carrie Lake being the most glaring example, but there's a bunch of others. Uh, uh, Raphael Warnock, I mean, come on, really, Georgia voting for a Marxist? I don't think so. Uh, so all these different things that are happening, um, it's, it's, very, it's very interesting to watch. But uh, those are the two biggies. You know, until the geldings fix 2020, there is no other election. Uh, if, if McCarthy becomes, you know, I call him Kevin McDeep State. It's kind of hard to say, but I think it's kind of cool. Kevin McDeep State. So that's who he is. He's the deep state. He's the ultimate deep state. And that's why the Democrats are like, oh, yeah, go ahead. Vote for him. Yeah, I'd be fine. They can't vote for him because if they vote for him, uh, <laughs> then, the, you know, the, the Democrats can't be seen as voting for a Republican, which is kind of funny because he would be in their best interest. It would, it would, you know, if the Democrats were smart, um, they would actually, they'd all vote for McCarthy and they'd make him speaker. Uh, and so then it'd be fascinating to see what he, what he would do, you know, even more to hurt this country than he plans to do anyway. 
you know, so, so Mr. Lobbyist, Mr. Money, you know, Mr. Corruption, Mr. I don't believe in anything. And I'm with Gates on this one. Uh, Kevin McCarthy has no principles, no core, no integrity, you know, no sense of value, no sense of patriotism, no sense of country, uh, no sense of, of, of loyalty to anything except money and power. Uh, he's basically an empty shell. You know, he's there to do the bidding of you know, his masters, his, his puppet masters. Uh, and so that's the, that's the whole point. However, there's 20 members of the Republican Party. They're actually standing up. Now, initially it was 10, but that's okay because all you needed was, was five. You know, five GOP, uh, five members of the Republican Party was all it took to block McCarthy because he had to win. I think he had to win by four. So or he had to have four more over. He had to have those four leaders, those four uh, extra, you know, above the Democrats in order to uh, become speaker. And as, as Gates says, and a bunch of others have said, you know, anybody that wants to be speaker that much shouldn't get it. Anybody who wants to be president as much as Hillary did shouldn't get it. If you want a political office that badly, okay, and you're willing to do anything to get it, uh, you should be automatically disqualified. And that to me is a, is a, is a no-brainer. You, you can't be uh, in that kind of an office simply because you want it too much. And I know that sounds kind of strange, but, you know, look at uh, the jobs you've been desperate for. Did you get them? No, because you look desperate. Well, it's pretty simple. You know, you got to show the boss that, yeah, 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 I really want this job, but, you know, quite frankly, I've got better offers. You know, so you convince them that they have to have you, not that you have to have them. Um, and that's how it works. You know, so we kind of go from there and we, and we see what's going on. But, again, we'll watch. Uh, and uh, it's, it's really fascinating. So, so put yourself in McCarthy's place, and let's see if we can analyze why he is so stubborn, why he wants this at all costs. He has to believe that the, 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 the eventually these people will cave and that the, the, they'll do what Republicans have always done, which is surrender, and that, uh, you know, if they grow up and, uh, and, you know, go along with the program, they'll be fine, and they'll get their committee chairs, and they'll get their investigations, and then nothing will come of those investigations, and nothing will come of their legislation. And McCarthy and uh, Mitch McConnell, you know, M&M, <laughs> that's what we should call them, M&M, you know. So M&M, McCarthy and McConnell, will, will not do anything to help this country. Uh, they'll do everything to help themselves, and the Republicans will do what they do best, which is campaign and fundraise. Now, they campaign with the wrong people, uh, and they raise a ton of money. You know, in fact, the, the GOP would be better off you know, sharing their budget with us at Action Radio. We'll show you some legislation. Same thing with Heritage, too. Heritage, Cato, Hoover Institute, all those big foundations, you know, all those conservative groups out there, you know, the, the Heartland uh, folks in the, in the middle of the country, all of all you big conservative think tanks. Uh, you know, what is it, uh, Gatestone, Gladstone, Claremont, you know, you name it. All those foundations, Mises, you know, you, want to, you guys want to do some good stuff, you know, donate to Action Radio. Uh, because we will do more with less than any other group in the country. And we already have. We, we've done, you know, we, we've moved mountains with nothing. <laughs> you know, so you know, our legislation taken as a group would give unparalleled freedom to this country and be a model for the world. And we've done it on, on a shoestring budget. So I know we can do it, so, but which, which raises the, the thing I should do. If you look at the top of your broadcast page, you'll find a website, givesendgo.com. That's what you want to help us out with. So go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. Um, and so that if you, if you, uh, you know, want to believe, if you believe in citizens writing the, the, the bills that we consent to be governed by and then sending them directly to Congress, directly to your state legislature, directly to your, your school board, you know, county commission or city council, then this is a group to support. This is the station to support. And I also want to reach out to the, uh, some of the large, you know, corporations, especially veteran owned, you know, uh, if you want to continue your patriotism, uh, I believe, you know, I'm not going to try and sound arrogant here, but I believe that this, uh, radio show, this citizen legislature combined radio show is unique in the world and is uniquely positioned to bring forth legislation at the national and the international level uh, in a way that no other group can. 
you know, because of what we do here. And so this is the place, you know, uh, the gun manufacturers, you know, Ruger, Smith & Wesson, Sig Sauer, Glock, you know, come, come join us here. Um, you know, My Patriot Supply, you know, all the, all the food, emergency food supply people, this is the show. This is the place you want to contribute to. Black Rifle Coffee, you know, the, the, the veteran-owned coffee company, fabulous company. This is the place I, I believe that, the, that you want to, if you want to get the biggest bang for the buck, so to speak, that, uh, that citizen legislation. You know, the move away from candidates, the, the move away from, uh, you know, electoral politics and to legislative politics, the, the laws themselves, changing the laws themselves, I believe, is the future of citizen advocacy. That's why I started this. It, it, it's, you know, it's pretty basic because obviously elections are stolen. So you can put all the money you want into a campaign. It doesn't matter. You know, the Democrats are going to steal it and the Republicans are going to let them. You know, and so with that kind of a model, there's no point in, in uh, you know, pushing uh, candidates because candidates aren't going to win yet. Now, we can still fix that, and there's still vote fraud things to do, and there's still audits, and there's a bunch of other stuff in real campaigns and, you know, redistributing the money away from the gelding candidates towards the, uh, the America First candidates. And, of course, we have Trump, you know, coming in in uh, 2024. Uh, and so that's going to be fascinating uh, to see. And, and so, so all those folks that, uh, you know, Trump, it would be interesting to see what Trump knows. He said he's going to have four years to think about this. He said two years already to think of everything that went wrong. He surprises me. There's two things that are really surprising about what's happened. One, that Trump got behind McCarthy. I, 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 think, I think Trump has, has somehow separated himself from his, his basic instincts, which are really good, and he's listening to all the wrong people. He's listening to, uh, I don't know, gelding pollsters and, uh, you know, GOP advisors and, you know, people that, that say, well, I know the best. So, uh, Mr. President, let me help you out here. This, this is how you get elected. And, of course, it's a bunch of nonsense. That, that's how he'll, he won't get elected. See, Trump does best when, when Trump, you know, does what Trump does. And he ignores all the experts and, and does what uh, he thinks best. You know, expert, expert's almost like a bad term now. Oh, you're an expert. Okay. Well, where do you get your money from? <laughs> you know, who, who owns you? And uh, what, are you, what are you trying to push? So you look at experts in, in health care. Well, are they government experts? In which case, they've got a, a policy line to follow um, or, or, you know, or a money line to follow. Or are they actually independent doctors that have cured people? So when someone says, well, they're an expert, well, what kind of an expert? Are we talking academic or practical? You know, do they have degrees in a, in a government job in a cushy position? Is their job dependent on a policy, on a particular policy? That's how you determine. Well, the, that doesn't mean they're an expert. That just means they're a hack. Well, there's a difference. You know, Dr. Fascist uh, is, is, the, is the prime example of what, of, of what an expert is not. Or t- take a look at what he's an expert in. Propaganda, manipulation, guilt, raising money for himself, uh, changing laws that, that, that benefit him, you know, making money from royalties, license fees, uh, and basically, you know, killing you know, millions of people and, and making a profit off it and sleeping well at night. That's what he's an expert in. That's why I call him Dr. Fascist. You know, the genocidal, psychopathic, avaricious, narcissistic, pathologically lying vaccine drug pusher. I'd love to give that line to Matt Gates. <laughs> would you like to hear that on the, on the floor of Congress? <laughs> that would be hysterical. Um, but uh, so all you folks that know Matt Gates, I need to get in touch with me, you know, because uh, being in his district, that gives me a little bit more weight. But uh, we need to get him back on the show, and I need to be able to tell him those things. Uh, and so that hopefully they will, like that first line, you know, Republicans are, are bringing a peace sign to a gunfight. Um, all those little, you know, pithy things that we come up with on the show here uh, can actually make it into the national media. So that's the goal. So the other interesting thing that happened is that, uh, and I forgot who it was, uh, maybe it was like a Newsmax person, to, to Gates, Boebert, one of the folks, he says, well, wait a minute, you know, Trump's from McCarthy. That means you have to be from McCarthy too. 
you know, because you have to, you have to tell the line. I mean, your, your leader has told you what to do. And of course, you know, Gates, especially, that's not what, how this works. You know, it's just, of course I support Trump, but I don't support this. And, th- and these people don't understand that because they've, they've got it in their heads that if you're a Trump supporter, that you march lockstep in, in everything that Trump says. Well, we certainly don't do that on this show. <laughs> not even close. You know, haven't I ripped Trump one side and up and down the other ever since uh, COVID? When I said that the, the, the whole vaccine program was wrong, warp speed was was a total disaster. It was deadly. You can't bring out a vaccine in a year. It's not even a vaccine. You know, and everything that he did, you know, from uh, 20, uh, ever since the, the, the last thing he did right was banning travel from China. And that was in January of, of uh, 2020. And everything after that was wrong. Letting Fauci ever have the podium. Uh, going along with uh, the whole idea of, of, of a vaccine rather than the cures and treatments that we all knew about already. Uh, all those things, everything he did, every decision he did, you know, pushing that, even taking the, the jab himself, what happens? He gets COVID twice. Well, that's not an accident. You know, most people that I know that get COVID uh, have had the jab, uh, you know, and uh, I had it initially when we all did, you know, before our body built up immunity to it. But, and I've talked to health professionals about this, and you know, especially health professionals that have had the jab. I said, why would you do that, you know, without testing for immunity first? Oh, I don't know. You know, they never think about that. See, the test of a, of a, of a jab, of a vaccine, uh, is whether they test for immunity first. See, if they're just trying to push it on you, they don't test for immunity because they don't want you, they don't want to know. They don't, and they don't care because if you're immune, you don't need the jab, but that's just good medicine. You know, it's like saying, if you don't have pain, why would you take a bunch of aspirin? Well, you know, go ahead and take a bunch of aspirin. Why? I don't have any pain. Well, it doesn't matter. It, you know, it's good for you. <laughs> what? <laughs> really? <laughs> what is the basic food group? You know, so all things you have to think of and all of these things, the question, but it does seem fascinating to me that uh, 20 Republicans are actually acting like Republicans. So you've got a gelding party, you've got 20 real Republicans, and you've got a party of Marxists. So Marxist geldings and, and 20 Republicans. This is amazing to me. I'm really happy uh, with the way this is going. And of course, I'll be watching it. But here's something else. This is January 6th, okay? <laughs> this is what I'm calling coup d'etat day. So I'm going to wish you all a happy coup d'etat. Happy coup d'etat. So this is the day when the Marxist deep state stole the government away from the people. This is the day that Mike Pence presided over the destruction of the Trump electors in favor of the fraud Brandon electors. This is the day that they uh, coordinated an invitation to bring all the Trump supporters above the Capitol so they could twist arms below the Capitol and make sure that Brandon uh, was elected, was, was, was installed rather in the White House. This is coup d'etat day and we need to look to lock it in history as coup d'etat day. Okay, so, you know, I'm the only one doing it, obviously, <laughs> that's kind of standard on this show. Um, but uh, you need to wish everybody a coup d'etat day. So as you go through your day, say, hey, happy coup d'etat. What are you talking about? Well, this is the day that uh, we're, we're celebrating. You know, and this is kind of like reverse psychology, right? We're celebrating the removal of, of the Constitution. We're, we're celebrating uh, the installation of a Marxist government. We're, we're celebrating mandates. We're, we're celebrating corruption. We're celebrating, you know, just following orders. You know, this is coup d'etat day. So we need to list, I mean, maybe I'll do this Monday, maybe I'll make this the entire uh, show Monday, but we need to start celebrating because this is fabulous. Now, now we don't have to worry about law and order. We don't have to worry about justice. We don't have to worry about, uh, you know, individual rights because we, we got a coup. You know, the, the country has fundamentally changed. They won. <laughs> okay. I mean, just start doing that. Now, do I believe any of that? No, of course not. I'm not stupid, you know, and, and I'm not giving up my cause. But what I'm saying is, but start saying that. Say that to all those registered Republicans out there that didn't do anything, all those Republican groups that step by and are still watching, all those people that are saying, well, we have to have McCarthy or we can't move forward. 
But what does move forward mean? What, closer to Marxism? Yes, that's what moving forward means. We have to move forward. We have to keep moving forward. We have to keep going with our values. Anytime you hear the word values, that's right out of Das Kapital. That's right out of Marxism, okay? Because Marx is based on values, you know, whereas uh, a republic is based on individual rights and, uh, and limited government and a constitution. See, that's the difference. And we've got Pianca in the line here, and uh, let, me, let me bring him up for a bit. Then we've got Shirley coming on in just a little bit after that. So let me uh, – uh, it's live. So happy coup d'etat day. Happy, uh, happy end of the republic. Happy, uh, you know, happy dictatorship to you, sir. Good morning. Well, good morning to you, Mr. Pinglis. How are you today? Well, I'm fine because you know, I don't have to worry about the republic anymore. I don't have to worry about those, those nasty uh, independent things. I don't have to worry about uh, you know, elections because that's all been decided for me. We're living under a coup d'etat. Well, yeah, second uh, anniversary. <laughs> Go ahead. It's the thing that this Congress needs to concentrate on. And the essence of need to investigate, find out what went on in the 2020 election. Need mm-hmm. to have a another a, a commission to investigate this bogus commission on January 6th, mm-hmm. and Joe Biden and Hunter Biden. They need to be investigated. Okay. Joe Biden needs to be impeached. Well, he needs to be in jail for stealing the election. You know, these, these people need to be brought up on charges of, of uh, I, I wouldn't call it treason because we're not in a time of war. And they haven't given aid and comfort to an enemy directly, although China would be included in that. But what they've really done is they've stolen the government. You know, and that is, that is uh, the most massive election fraud on the most incredible scale. Um, and so it's a very strange thing. Hey, listen, I got, uh, I got Shirley on the line here. And I want, to, I want to take her call because she only has a limited time this morning. So I'm going to hold you up for just a little bit. And I will come back to you. Yeah, good morning, Gary. Uh, okay, so she's not even on yet. Let me I'll, just play her. What's that? Uh, I comment and listen. Okay, that sounds good. And we have plenty of time today. I got the third hour wide open. We got some other stuff, but I just, I'm just quickly looking down here, scrolling through my because she surprised me being a few minutes early, but that's okay. When one is faced with a crisis, you find your true character. How you react to such an emergency can determine the rest of your life. Two paths present themselves for you to choose. One leads to tragedy. The other leads to becoming a new person. Shirley Wattrell, a survivor of a dangerously abusive relationship, is that new person. She's the author of Heels to Holster. She is a firearms instructor motivational speaker, women's empowerment advocate, and a reporter for Action Radio. So now, here is the DC Project Women and Guns with Shirley Wattrell. Hey, happy coup d'etat day. Happy anniversary of January 6th. Yeah, and happy new year. Haven't talked to you guys the whole year. Yeah. Wow. So, So So, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I, I say, don't know what you guys you've been here, did, Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Did you say you've been here for a year now? How long have you been with the with the show now? How long have you been doing this? Oh. Now that I think about it. Has it been a year? No. Really? No. Already? No. Oh. I don't, okay. I don't think so. Okay. Well, uh, all right. So let me explain who they, uh, Go ahead. <laughs> I, yeah. <laughs> too much adrenaline this morning. Yeah, yeah. Six o'clock. It, it throws me off completely. Well, no, coup d'état day. This is the anniversary of the, of the uh, Democrat insurrection to steal the government. And so uh, this is why I'm celebrating today. Um, the fact that we don't have to worry about the Constitution anymore. We can simply live under a Marxist dictatorship and all our decisions will be made for us. So I'm wishing everybody a happy coup d'état day. 
with tongue seriously oh, in cheek. Yeah, yeah. So tell your friends, happy coup d'etat day. And then uh, what are you talking about? Well, see, don't you notice the incredible absence uh, of any coverage of the fact that this is the anniversary of January 6th, the worst day in American history, according to all the Marxists? Where's the coverage? Where's the anniversary celebration? Where's, where's the videos? Where's the, the, the Capitol Hill stuff? You know, and, and do we have to watch Ashley Babbitt get murdered again? <sighs> anyway, I just find it interesting that there's no, co- there's no mention of it. It's not even on the radar at all. I find that curious. I did see something. Um, Pelosi tweeted or somebody tweeted hmm. about it. Yeah. It, it just came up on my feed. I don't remember what it was. No, I went, what? Oh, I don't remember mm. what she was saying about that. But yeah, if yeah. you go to Twitter, I think I think she's the one that had something to say about that. There's no mass coverage. This is fascinating. Okay. All right. Well, let's get your stuff. Yeah, you know, I know you got limited time this morning, so let's uh, let's let's find out the, the good stuff that you have to talk about, and then um, Priyanka's online. We'll see if I come, if you can get a question in before you go. And let's uh, what you got? What's happening? Uh, pretty much the same stuff as as we talked. When, when did we talk? Two weeks ago, I guess, huh? Yeah. I guess we good Christmas, we good New Year's. Yeah. Now, um, not not a whole lot other than the fact that I didn't account for seasonal traffic. And I need to get to the range to teach a class after I get off the air here. And I was like, oh, crap, how'd that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It seems like time flies by and all of a sudden I'm like, oh, yeah, we're in season. And then I go driving like last night and I went, oh, yeah, they're back. <laughs> um, wow. But like like the segment is on anyone that's new to the show, it's DC Project. And DC Project is a nationwide group of women that are fighting to defend our Second Amendment for present and future generations. Um, We do have representatives in each state, a state director, and I am the Florida state director. We do have events for our fundraising, and I'll just cut that real quick because we've got a couple of, one come up real quick is the Rolex 24 in Daytona, January 23rd to 29th. So we will have a table there. This will be interesting. Never Mm -hmm. been to this event or Mm. one like it talking about DC projects. So, uh, we have a really cool draw or giveaway too. It'll be an F1 um, sporting rifle. Uh, I don't have all the descriptions on that yet, but I will put that out there when we do get it. And then in March, I have a clays shoot here in Naples, March 11th. And as we know, a lot of times when um, the, the media likes to cover mass killings and how firearms are used in bad situations by criminals, but uh, I like to talk about how someone used a firearm to defend their lives or save their lives or lives of a loved one. And we call it Teal for 2A Tuesday. And for some reason, my Tuesday ended up being Thursday. <laughs> oh, wow. It's been a crazy week for me. Yeah, oh, yeah. I didn't get it posted till, till yesterday. So I was like, mm-hmm. oh, right. Teal for 2A Tuesday on Thursday. <laughs> but um, this one takes place in Wisconsin. And it's a 79-year-old man. And, you know, when we talk about defending ourselves, lots of times we talk about women having to defend themselves against men. And we are, whether you like to admit it or not, we are not as strong or as as large, tall normally. So it's Mm -hmm. a little harder for us to defend ourselves in a hand-on-hand situation unless you have been specifically trained to do something like that, like in, uh, you know, some kind of karate or something, martial arts. So here we have a 70-year-old man, and he um, 
he, thank goodness, didn't have to go defend himself with it, with his bare hands. He did have a firearm on him. And uh, let's see. Let's see. So um, he was attacked on his way home. Instead of instead, he was exercising his right to bear arms, and that likely mm-hmm. made a life or death difference in the outcome of the encounter. Hmm. So this is in Marathon County, Wisconsin, and the sheriff's office says that the elderly elderly man was likely followed home by the 22-year-old suspect early Tuesday morning after leaving a local establishment. As the homeowner stepped out of his car after pulling into his garage, the suspect sprang his surprise assault, not realizing his intended victim had the motive and means to fight back in self-defense. So even when you're you're safe in your what you think is your garage, always be ready and on guard. Keep your you know keep that head on a swivel. The Marathon Marathon County Sheriff's Office, they were dispatched at 2:37 a.m. to the residence in the town of Elderon for a report of a man who was assaulted and stabbed in the face as he exited his vehicle in his garage. All right, hold on, i got to scroll down here. And now page um, two. <laughs> so the elderly man, he had, of course, he had a firearm. He fired one round that struck the, the suspect. Uh, and the, actually, the guy, the suspect, wrestled the firearm away from him, but instead of assaulting him more, he ran off. Hmm. Uh, this 79-year-old sustained non-life-threatening injuries and is recovering in the hospital. Um, let's to see, catch the but perp. what's that? To catch the perp, the criminal. Uh, he well, he fled the scene, and they, of course, nobody's being identified. But let's see, where did they found him? At this time, we not believe there was any danger to the community. Can't remember. It's just that. Well, he's got a gunshot wound, I assume, right? Or, or no? I mean, did he get hit yeah. by the? The punchline is okay. he did die. I'm sorry. Um, I, did, I didn't mean to ruin your, your story, but yeah, I'm just curious. You know, yeah. Okay. That's the punchline. Um, <laughs> You're funny. Where was it? Oh my gosh. I'm pretty sure he does. Hand on the police haven't been totally identified. At this time, we do not believe there's any danger to the community. Well, he's we dead. have detectives on the scene. Yeah. Our detectives will be there for the better part of the day processing the scene, and this took place on January 4th. Um, if the victim and the attacker knew each other, they do not think so. They do not. They're not sure. The injuries. Is the attacker an illegal alien? Do we have a mention of the, of the citizenship you know, status of this person? That. You, you ask me that. Hmm. You ask me that every time, and you, I'm going to tell you that right from the beginning. They don't tell me because they don't. You know. They don't <laughs> well, know. But, I, but I keep this it in mind though by by asking it. Yeah, but they didn't even mention the name either of either either hmm. the the suspect. Or the, okay. um, the the elderly man. Um, let's see. I believe that this homeowner is alive today because he was able to exercise his right to to armed self defense. I'm sure there are a lot of gun control ab- activists who dismiss the idea that a 79 year old man in a small town in Wisconsin with a population of just a couple hundred residents would re- ever really need to carry a firearm to begin with. But in this case, uh, this shows the crime can strike anywhere. And any one of us can this be strikes, a target uh, this of violence. I'm sorry, go ahead. That's it. 
Oh, good. We're good. But I, I can't. I, I did read follow up. I thought he did pass away. God, huh? Happened in this part of the story. Was the citizen or the, the criminal? What's that? The citizen or the criminal? Citizen was non-life-threatening, so he's okay. Right, the criminal. Yeah, the guy that committed the crime. I believe he did die at the hospital. Okay, so when they say an establishment, are we talking a bar? Because he came home at two thirty in the morning. Okay. Yeah, so I'm, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, so I'm, dang, I'm the guy's seventy-nine so, years uh, old and he's out. He's had at two o'clock in the morning. Good for him. like cruising chicks, or what's he doing? I mean, he does a single <laughs> guy. But I'm just curious. Well, this that that was one thing that hit me. I went, "Wow, good seventy-nine year old, and you're out at two o'clock in the morning. Good for you." Okay. <laughs> you, see, you these got are the mentality yeah. to defend yourself too. Yeah, see, these are the, these are the things that make the story much more real and, and much more interesting to me. You know, it's like where and where would a twenty-two year old person meet a seventy-nine year old person at two thirty in the morning? Well, if the, if he observed he was observed drinking in a bar, and the, and the 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 young punk thought, okay, this guy's vulnerable. Let me just follow him home and take all his stuff. You know, especially if he if he left by himself. Now we've got a scenario because criminals, you know, they they stalk people. Or maybe he's been observed before. You see, we don't know. But it strikes me also that this was this is a prime illegal alien operation simply because it is so rural. And if you have a town of a couple hundred, those people will know each other. They know their family. That's what I was going to say. You know, they, yeah. they've, you know so, so if you had a criminal element, usually this is why local police are so good. So somebody's bad. They don't start being bad at 22. They start being bad at like 12. You know, so this, there's usually a history behind this. There's usually a police record, and the police know who the bad kids are because they watch them as they grow up. And, you know, it's only a matter of before they end up in juvie hall and, uh, and other stuff like that. So if this person suddenly appeared out of the blue, now, did the criminal have a record? Was that, was that talked about? No, no, no. It, he, but he did. He, he fled the scene, and he, was, he, he died later. That's why they didn't give it the name because they've got to notify his next of kin. So, what, it, what yeah. Honduras? Where's this guy? Where's the next of I don't know, but you, all those things struck me too. The one that you know, he's out late. Yeah, he was a prime suspect because they prey on on the weak, what they think is the weak that they can take advantage of, and and it's a small town, so that just tells you. Because I hear that in our area, everybody thinks that oh no, we don't have anything like that happening here. We do, Mm. we do. The news doesn't cover it because if the news covers everything, then nobody wants to visit. You know, nobody wants to come down here for their vacation. So they're very cautious about what they put out there. Well, what you might want to do is what you can do is is, is for for all these stories is is have all the things that aren't reported. So including your report, it didn't say the citizenship. It didn't say the status. It didn't say the criminal record. It didn't say the race. It didn't say, you know, whatever criteria. It didn't say whether they just got to town last week. You know, all these things that you can – this is something I think we might want to start doing is, is what's in the report and what's not in the report. What do you think? Yeah, and I don't know if it's because the, the, the story comes out so soon. and Because st- every time I, I read any of these stories, they're, you know, still under investigation. And, you know, this takes, I understand it does take a while to investigate things, but I, mm-hmm. I don't imagine on the report, some of that stuff should be put in there immediately mm-hmm. when they get to the scene. But I, I'm not, I don't know, I'm not law enforcement. Yeah, but yeah that's the story to... of, go ahead. Okay. Well, I got a, I got a question for you then. I'll see if Pianchi has a person on this story as well, and then we cover anything else we have time for. Um, but uh, we haven't really talked about senior folks uh, and uh, firearm defense. 
have you taught senior citizens? Have you, has DC Project reached out to older folks? I think there's an entire group, you know, they, they called the firearm, they used to call Colt the equalizer. Because it's, a, what is it, a, give me a man of any size, carry me, and I will equalize her. There's like the same with the old Colt revolvers back in the 1800s. And so the beauty of firearm protection is that it equalizes. You can have the smallest person can take on the biggest person, you know, male or female. And they're, you know, uh, if you have a 300-pound, you know, ex-professional wrestler woman taking on a, you know, a 90-year-old dude, <laughs> the fact that he's a dude makes no difference whatsoever. So th- there are... You know, the firearm equalizes, but I think we, we need to talk more about seniors and uh, firearm defense. What do you think? No, I mean, no, definitely. I mean, I, I, they come to me. I, I'm, not, I'm not teaching the 20-year-olds. I'm, I'm into the, the late part of the, their journey, the people that come to me for, for instruction. And in D.C. Project, we have women of all ages, you know, anywhere from the 20s to probably in seventies and eighties. Um, but we, they, they all come to, you know, it's not like, um, we're all on the same page, basically, you know, we all want to be able to go home safely to our family and defending the second amendment helps us to do, to accomplish that. So now I've teached a lot of seniors. I'm not calling them elderly because I'm kind of a senior. senior. (laughs) Well, I don't don't know if you've I don't know if you've revealed your age yet. I'm just, you know, of course that's up to you, but, uh, you know, I'm 63. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm finally starting a job that I like. <laughs> it took me a while. Um, so, I've, you know, I've been doing this for a few years. So to me, uh, like I feel very young and the idea of retiring is, is about the first thing from my brain right now. You know, uh, whereas my friends are, are happy to, you know, sit on their porch and, you know, rocking chairs and watch the sunset and go, yeah, I'm retired, man. I can take it easy. I don't have to do anything. I got a million things to do. So I think a lot of it's attitude, and, and that leads to the question, do you find the seniors that you teach, 80s, 90s, just like, I'm not done yet, i got stuff to do, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm busy, I need to defend myself. Do you see a different attitude uh, yeah. in people? Okay. Exactly. And in the story, they describe this gentleman as being crossing over into the octogenarian hood. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> that means he's turning 80. <laughs> I know. I was like, oh my gosh, but no, he was 79. He's not quite there yet. He didn't cross that bridge yet. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's, he, well, and, and thankfully he will be able to now that he's done this. Um, that's fascinating. <laughs> but seniors are like a whole different group. Uh, speaking of approaching seniorhood, <laughs> Bianchi, do you have a question for, for Shirley? Sorry, I couldn't resist. Well, you know, I don't know if we missed the story that went on in Conyers, Georgia where you had uh, two 15-year-old and a 16-year-old black teenagers that were shot dead by a black homeowner who they tried to rob, and, and one shot at him. And that's a story that you, the news does what they do best. They don't tell only those that fit their narrative. And also, uh, we can hoop hoop a raid to Alabama, who now has constitutional carry. Well, that's good. Well, that's, that's two good points. The first, Shirley, have you heard that case? And secondly, I want to talk about Alabama and then Florida in terms of constitutional carry. Did you hear about the Georgia case? I did not. Uh, I did not hear about that one. Okay. I think, uh, Pianca, did you post that in our group, Action Radio Gun Group? I think you did. I think I've seen that one. Yes, I did. This happened like around the 23rd of December. Okay. Well, it's still recent. Uh, so, I must so have we're missed checking. that one then. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you may want to regularly refer. In fact, everybody would like to regularly refer to the Action Radio Gun Group, one of our many groups here at Action Radio, one of the 22 that I think I've started. Uh, so there's some pretty cool stuff. No, I think they're all going to develop their own specialties. So the reason I'm doing that, I'm setting us up for multi-million listeners. That's why I'm doing this, so that everybody has a place to go. Uh, and hopefully we'll attract a lot more people to the show in terms of, of the different specialties that we have, because I want people legislating on all kinds of different levels. Most shows have like one particular emphasis, and we don't. We're all over the place. Um, so uh, let's talk about Alabama, you know, and, and why Florida hasn't had constitutional carry. And, and what do you think the you know, D.C. Project working on, on prospects for, for at least open carry or constitutional carry? I'm not sure there's a difference. I think we tried to establish that last week. I don't see a difference. <laughs> But uh, tell me about what you know about Alabama. You don't see a difference, but there is. There, there is. Okay. All right. Because if you you have to include that in in your your constitutional carry if you're going to be open carrying, from what I've, I've gathered on that. And also, I did a little research on the other discussion that we had. If we have time for that, we'll talk about that. No, yeah, okay. Alabama is now constitutional carry, which means that they no longer have to have a permit or go to a. Uh, government regulated type of class or pay a fee to be able to conceal carry basically what it boils down to. Hmm. Does that include out of state and, people visiting? Cause I'm, I'm a, pretty much on the Alabama, Alabama border here, you know, being in uh, Santa Rosa County, Florida, they're right above me and around me. They're everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know how that pertains to if you're coming in from another state. Okay. That's, that's a, that'd be a good question. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I, as far as Florida, yeah, we're going to give that another try and see what I can do to who I need to talk to about how to accomplish that. I lost my contact at uh, Florida Carry, so I'll have to reestablish something there. Yeah, <laughs> we've got that. to. I've actually put the put the word out. You know, I've uh, got the message to Jim. And so let's see. Of course, you can't replace Jim. You, you know, anybody that comes in is like, well, gee, you're not quite Jim. <laughs> you know. We, we we can't do that to whoever our new person is, but um, you know it's it's uh, he he was with the show I think since way back he's been at least two maybe three years of our four, and so I'm not sure how I, I, really, how I met you, yeah. So he came right almost into the beginning. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In fact, it was funny. I was I was uh, I found you know how Facebook does memory posts. And they just send stuff. They sent one back from from four years ago, and so in my first week on the show. This is before the censorship, you know, and I wasn't known. Nobody knew anything about me. I, I just started broadcasting on Block Talk Radio. We were in 18 states our first week from Florida. That's how fast the show was growing, you know, from nothing. Wow. I mean, literally nothing, you know, because people at WBY didn't know where I'd gone because they didn't say anything. And I couldn't, I couldn't contact the listeners and come back and say, hey, I'm, blog, I'm on Block Talk now. <laughs> They're not going to let me do that, right? So, so we built, rebuilt the show again from scratch and already had 18 states within one week. We had most of the nation very quickly after that. And then once the censorship hit, you know, it actually knocked us back thousands upon thousands upon thousands of people. And so we're still battling to, to get through that. Um, but, uh, you know, the, all these podcasts, I think, are going to be of huge value one day uh, for historical record and for the folks that have a lot of stuff to catch up on because, you know, we break a lot of ground here. Um, other issues. What do we got? We had something else. And I know you have to go just in a few minutes. Well, remember what we were talking about? Last week, we were talking about your bank that has it posted that um, you can't carry yes. a firearm in the, yes. in the building. Yes, truest. Let's out them. So the truest bank. So, no, no, I checked the sign again. It says no firearms or any weapons. Was that include a pocket knife? 
you know, and, and I'm thinking, you can't do that. Or, you know, go ahead. Yeah, well, I did a little research and, you know, I've gone, I'm a member of USCCA, but I've been members of other uh, organizations that basically are your insurance in case you have to defend yourself. And mm-hmm. one of the, the books that it's called uh, Florida Gun Law, and this is from U.S. Law Shield, says, may a person legally carry a concealed handgun into a business that it has a no firearm sign? And the response mm-hmm. is no. Mm-hmm. If the business has a no firearm sign on the entrance door, it puts an individual on notice that people with firearms are not allowed inside the business. If a person does enter the business after seeing a sign, they have now become a trespasser. In fact, not only are they trespassing, but they are committing an armed trespass, which is a third-degree felony punishable up to five years in prison. The key is knowledge. If the person sees a sign, then they know they are not wanted in the business with their firearm. Florida law is silent as to what a sign must look like to provide effective communication that CWS holders are not allowed to carry in the business. Mm-hmm. And that. So I did a little research because I just wanted to get clarification on that. I thought it was something like that because it is a private business that they can do that if they want. So I just wanted to clarify that. See, if this is a constitutional right, this is where public accommodation comes in. I want to see if I'm going to comment from Pianchi on this too. That to me is illegal. You cannot deny the exercise of a constitutional right if you're engaged in public accommodation. So to me, this law is illegal. So they can post all they want. You know, now, am I going to challenge it? Probably not, because I don't want to get arrested. I don't want to spend time in jail. And I certainly don't want to lose my firearms rights, which also is unconstitutional, because uh, rights cannot be taken away, except you know, temporarily. Well, we'll talk about the jail thing later. Um, but the point is that you know, what if I were you know, a particular minority they didn't want in there? You know, what if, uh, for who knows what reason? I mean, this is segregation to me. Okay. This is every bit uh, as, as bad as a restaurant you know, during segregation saying, you know, if you're black, you can't you know, have lunch here. What's the difference? Uh, if it's a constitutional right, it's a constitutional right. Now, granted, it's not an immutable characteristic like race, but if you have a, if you have a constitutional right, there's nothing in the Constitution that says that someone can take it away temporarily on their private business, especially if it's open to the public. Then it's not a, it's not a private business. If it's a private club, I understand that. If you've got the, the, the order of the, you know, the, the, the blue rock, <laughs> I just made that up, right? So the order, the, and the only people can go in there if they meet certain criteria. You know, they have to have blue rocks in their garden, okay? So that's okay. That's a private club. But if you're a bank, if you're open to the public, you cannot deny constitutional rights. That makes no sense to me. Shirley? Well, I think there's a fine line there, too, because when you have the Constitution, you have freedom. So as a business owner, I don't have a freedom to, to set standards as well. I mean, set I mean, I agree with you, I, 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 mm-hmm. but I don't think they should. But also on the other side of it, you got to think about, okay, when do we draw the line and say, okay, that's no longer constitutional. You're a business owner, but you have to follow these, this right here. I'm going to take this freedom away from you to decide who you mm-hmm. want in your establishment. I don't know if you well, can do that. Or not, I understand but. no shirt, no shoes, because that's a health code. So you can still, <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's one thing. Okay, too. so... No shirt, no shoes, no service. Oh, that's a song. Isn't Kenny Chesney sing something about no shirt, no shoes? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Well, we can put that on the. If you find it, put it on the Action Radio Gun Group. We'll, we'll get into our musical thing. But but it's still public accommodation. It, you know, it's a civil and a constitutional right. You know, that'd, that'd be like you know, you can't uh, now. 
you know, if you're, if you're able, if you're open to the public, if you're open to the public, public accommodation applies and you cannot abridge constitutional rights, you know, as far as that goes, you know, especially, you know, the second amendment, I just, you know, I'm just, I don't think it's legal. I don't think they can do that. Pianki, what do you think? Well, you know, we have restaurants <clears throat> that offer free coffee and donuts for people, their customers that come in wearing their weapons in the open, open carrying. Well, that's interesting. In St. Louis, you had uh, Bi-State, the mass transit trains where they uh, banned weapons, but that the crime got so bad, they, uh, the state legislature <laughs> uh, voted and said that, nope, that people that have weapons can bring them on as they travel for protection. That's what I'm talking about. That's good. So that's a great idea. So as chair of the D.C. project in Florida, uh, would you be interested in, in seeing if you can find businesses that would do that? You know, for every business that says you can't come in here, you know, to exercise your constitutional rights because we, we want criminals with guns. You know, can you can you pick uh, the, the, you know, the restaurants, coffee shops, stores, retail places, things like that, or any business, banks, you name it, that do want to have, you know, open a, you know, open an account here, concealed carry, carry holder. We'll, we'll, you know, 500 bucks for opening an account here. I mean, who knows? I mean, something like that. Higher interest rate. We'll give you 1% more, you know, because you carry a firearm. <laughs> I mean, why not? Surely? Uh, Matt, now you're, now you're just jumping on the same train they are, aren't you? Jumping on that way and giving, giving uh, gun owners different rights. No, it's not a right. We're talking about incentive. You know, that'd be like okay. saying okay. we're going to ban ladies' yeah, night in a bar because it, it's sexist, you know, but they still do it. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Well, I have to run. I'll leave you okay. with that thought and that discussion to keep going. That's a good one. <laughs> well, thank so I'm you. just going to let you hang and let you two sort it out. <laughs> Well, I think we're pretty much in agreement on it, but that's okay. So let's, let's get your contact information and then uh, have a good class. And then uh, if you want to start earlier any week, uh, let me know. We can always get you on any, anytime after 7 o'clock Eastern. You know, I, I just kind of vamp and rant and rave, you know, during that first half hour. Okay. All right. So if anyone's interested in joining DC Project or if you're interested in helping us out with a donation or you attend one of our events, go to dcproject.info. And oh, also, I have a book out. It's called Heels to Holster. I'm a survivor of domestic violence. Are you interested in purchasing that? You can get that on Amazon. And that's my report for DC Project Women and Guns. And this is Shirley from Action Radio signing off. Have a great weekend. You have a great weekend, too. And I'll talk to you next week. Thank you. Or probably before Bye. that. All, All right. Bye-bye. Right. good. I will Bye do. now. All right. So I'm going to take a quick break and then come back with uh, Pianchi. We've got about I will three do Okay, yeah, go ahead. Let me take a break. Uh-huh. Yeah, no, the okay. uh, the new with the New Orleans Saints, mm-hmm. uh, their stadium for NBA and NFL games are having a horde of car break-ins. Well, they're probably hmm. looking for people who can't carry their guns into the stadium. So yeah, something needs to be done one way or the other. Well, I think stadiums, do they prohibit firearms? Do they do firearm searches? I haven't been to a sports stadium in a long time. Well, the same thing can also, uh, it goes on when you're at a restaurant, per se. Waffle mm-hmm. House used to have a no-gun ban, but you had an incident where a customer 
uh, had a, a, a gun when somebody came in and robbed the place and something of that nature, and he pistol whooped the guy. And mm-hmm. uh, I think the ban was great. Yeah, they're they're so concerned with liability. It's like you know, the whole stadium mentality. Well, you've got all those people that can be shot. Well, they'd only be shot by criminals. They wouldn't be shot by the honest law-abiding citizen. There's a, there's a perception that somehow a gun turns a good person into a bad person. That if you let you know you, you let people conceal carry in a bank, that uh, that all of a sudden they're going to rob it. And that's a bunch of nonsense. I've told the story. You know, when I first got my carry permit in Florida, and I came from California, so I had a completely different mindset. And one of the first places I carried was my bank. <laughs> Okay, I'm not going to say which one, um, but uh, and I, I even called them up in advance and said, "Hey, I'm kind of new at this. You know, I've never had a you know a loaded firearm in a bank before, but I got a carry permit. I've been through my classes and all this kind of stuff." And they're like, "Come on down, we don't care. This is Florida. You know, you're not in California anymore." Like, oh, bless you! <laughs> it's so nice to be in America. Well, yeah, you could uh-huh. you could have transacting your business in the bank and step mm-hmm. outside and somebody rob you. Uh, you'd yeah. be using the ATM outside the bank, and somebody robbed you. That now mm-hmm. that has happened in many cases. As a matter of fact, they rob people uh, other places and take them to their bank and make them withdraw money. Yeah, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, what do you think of the age thing, though? Because I think that this is a really important point that for seniors, especially, you know, I mean, they offer senior discounts for things. It'd be nice if gun companies had a senior discount for firearms. I just thought of that. Well, yeah, they give discounts for a host of reasons. If you're a membership of a certain organization or if uh-huh. you uh, – it depends on what type of promotion that they have going on. It may be if you wear a certain color apparel on a particular day, you get a discount. So I am wholeheartedly approved of those establishments that uh-huh. give discounts or recognition to those who are exercising that 2A right. Yeah, open carry holders get a 10% reduction on your restaurant meal tonight. <laughs> I mean, that would be, uh, you know, that'd be fascinating. Well, I told you the story um, of when we had the open carry movement in California, and I went to a Starbucks and this pizza restaurant uh, and a few other places and, until the state made that illegal too, which, of course, I figured they were going to do, but I was just kind of curious. And so we had the police outside, and they'd check our firearms to make sure they were unloaded so we could carry them unloaded you know, with the magazines on the other side, you know, or your speed loaders or whatever. Uh, and that was fascinating. <laughs> Apparently, the, the cops that I talked to didn't really know a whole lot about, you know, any gun except their own, which is kind of interesting. But the point was that the, the restaurant... Well, the some place, areas... Yeah. Hold on. Some areas so the restaurant closed early, you know, ridiculously early, 9 o'clock, because oh. they're afraid if they open, then they'll get robbed. But if you got customers that in this concealed carry or carrying openly... Well, yeah. of course, the robbers are going to have second thoughts. Yeah, I think open carry is, is, is better and it's faster, too. See, one of the problems with concealed carry is you have to take that extra time to unconceal your firearm. Or if it's right there, especially if you're sitting down like a cross-draw holster, I mean, it's, it's available immediately. Uh, and so that makes a big difference, too. Anyway, um, but the point is that that restaurant, uh, the pizza place we went to, that was one of the best days they ever had. Uh, because all of a sudden they had all these extra concealed carry holders and a lot of regular customers. And again, we sat down at the tables, we talked to people, we talked to families with kids and they're like, Oh, well, that's cool. Cause then they'd see us as, as, you know, just like them, regular people. And so you, you go to uh, you know, a place and people are, are carrying guns and you see them as, you know, then you talk to them. It's like, you know, well, they're just like me. They're normal people. You know, then it, be, then it disarms it. And this is why the, we've talked about this before the normalization Open carry is critical for the normalizing the sight of guns on non-government people. Everybody thinks it was normal for government people to carry guns. Right. 
you know, and, and so yeah. this way I don't say police anymore, but non-government, you know, and it's that uh, we need to reverse the Second Amendment. Right. Yeah, yeah, thank you. So reverse the Second Amendment like the government. A, Go ahead. It's just like seeing a black man walking with a white one. People have mm-hmm. gotten used to seeing it. Sure. Well, in San Francisco, it was, you know, we could sort of joked around that the, the Samoans are dating Italians. You know, the, I mean, the mixtures are so uh, vast in the Bay Area. And that was one of the, the fun parts about it was that, I mean, almost everybody uh, at some point had, you know, interracial relations. And nobody cared. It, it really didn't matter. Uh, that's the beauty of living in a place where everybody's a minority. Uh, and I think there's something to be said for that, that, uh, you know, and, and we didn't, I didn't even know it, you know, and I was perfectly happy in San Francisco Bay Area uh, in terms of, because I don't, you know, thinking I'm a white guy every day. <laughs> it doesn't occur to me until we talk about race. But, uh, but in the Bay Area, you know, everybody talked to everybody. Everybody conducted business with everybody. But you know what yeah. else? What's that? You know what else that we don't talk about? A Muslim dress with the hijab with their face covered. Well, now you got COVID, they, nobody said anything about them. But before, people used to complain about a Muslim dress where the female face is covered. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, I think that, that comment was made that we all joined. <laughs> you know, some people joined in. Yeah. Um, I've got an article I want to cover here in a little bit. It's something that's been sitting on my computer for, for a long time. It's the War for Eight Billion Minds. It's from the Gatestone Institute. So let me take a little break right now and come back in, in just a couple of minutes here. And uh, we shall continue. Then we got Derek, uh, and then we're open for the rest of the show, so we can talk about anything after that. And I have several articles and ideas for, for that time as well. If you want to join us, 215-383-3832. Uh, if you want to hop on live chat, just get a free account uh, at the bottom of your broadcast page. Uh, and if you're listening to us on a podcast, then catch us live, and then you can join the fun. So I'll write back in just a little bit. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Panklos Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H care.com. You can email them at greatcare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Great Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. 
Joe Biden's dark winter. No freedom, no liberty, no guns, no representation, no oil, no coal, no nuclear power, no space force, no constitution, no family gatherings, no vacations, just taxes, work, misery, masks, lockdowns, and ever more government. This is what will happen if you let Marxists steal the election. This has been a public service announcement of Action Radio, reminding you it's time to get off your butt and save your country. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take. That is Action Radio. So it's Friday, January 6th, the, uh, the coup d'etat day. So I want to wish you all a happy coup d'etat. Uh, happy to, to celebrate the anniversary of the stealing of our government by a corrupt Marxist cabal of, of globalists and other uh, uh, disgusting folks that have no use for our country, no use for our principles, no use for our constitution. And all they want is power, money, and uh, blind obedience from you. So that's what we're celebrating today on Coup d'Etat Day. I'm joined by Pianchi, and I have an article here from the Gatestone Institute. That's G-A-T-E-S-T-O-N-E, O-N-E, excuse me, Gatestone Institute. Uh, this was written December 16th of uh, last year uh, by J.B. Shirk, S-H-U-R-K. And he says, the war for 8 billion minds. And so I've had this article sitting around for a while. Uh, it's been on our Action Radio Mind uh, project uh, for a bit. And it's just one of those things that Fridays, this is when I get to all those things that you know, sit at the bottom of my computer. He says, the heavy perils we face today include centralized governments, micromanaging society, the growing prospect of global war, uh, war the growing prospect of forced surrender, and the replacement of reasoned debate and free speech with state-sanctioned, quote, narratives and censorship, totalitarian governance seems not far behind. Well, I think it's already here. So, uh, but then it's been two weeks since this article was written. He says, this is a new kind of war against civilians for control of their minds. And that's one of the things we talk about. Well, I shouldn't assume J.B. Shirk is a, is, a, is a dude. Let me look at the bottom here and see if I can find out. we get a full name. It doesn't say. J.B. Shirk writes about politics and society. So I'll just say J.B. from now on until I have better definition. But it's very true. Uh, the whole point of Action Radio is to get away from the control of your mind, is to talk about the things that uh, you know, can't be talked about. You know, I had a call yesterday. Well, I don't want to go into that. Well, why not? This is the place to do it. You know, controversial, I don't care about. Yeah, outright hatred and, and violence. No, you can't say that on this show because uh, that just shows you're, you're ignorant, stupid, and dangerous. But as far as being controversial, we have lots of controversial topics here. This is a place, I call it the ultimate free speech zone for a reason. If you can't talk about it, you certainly can't legislate about it. So those two follow hand in hand. Once you, you know, think about it, you've got to talk about it, you've got to work the ideas through, and then you legislate about it, and then you advocate 
on your legislation. That's the process. That's what we do here. Back to the article. The torrents engulfing us appear to be potentially catastrophic. In a few short years, the world has endured the COVID-19 pandemic, forced government lockdowns, extreme economic volatility, commodity shortages, and the World Economic Forum's attempt to exploit this cascade of crises as an excuse to usher in a structural, quote, great reset in which global food and energy consumption can be strictly regulated according to the, quote, climate change goals of an unelected cabal. Governments are relying increasingly on controlling public narratives and vilifying dissent. Again, the evidence is clearly uh, on, on our show. My, my first week, I had, in fact, I, I had forgotten this, but Facebook fortunately reminded me that I had 18 states my first week. You know, and, and I had nothing. I had no advanced advertising, no marketing. There was no budget for this. I just hopped on the air and started talking. And in those days, nobody called because nobody knew where I was here. And I had 18 states the first week. I didn't even know that. So how did that happen? Well, because we had free speech back in 2019 before it was taken away. So uh, I started the show uh, December 24th. So in other words, Christmas Eve of 2018 is when we started. And by the first week of January, we had 18 states listening. Okay? That's what free speech is all about. That's what access is all about. If we continued on that trend with that kind of growth, we'd be a multi-million listener show right now, which is what we, we would have been if not for two things. Uh, oh, actually, COVID. Well, this is one thing, really. COVID and censorship. You know, without those two things, this show would be huge. And it's going to be. It's just a matter of time. But we keep fighting through. This is why it's so important for people to share the show. If you do not share the show, you know, I can't uh, break through uh, what's going on. Or we need two things we need. A, a fabulous donor or several. Uh, to give us a marketing budget, or a, or a major public figure to introduce us to the country. And both of those things I'm working on. But that's what will allow us to break through the censorship. All right, back to the article. While health bureaucrats and politicians claim to be, quote, following the science, mandatory compliance with unilateral rulemaking precluded reasoned good faith debate. The predictable result? The lethal consequences of the Wuhan virus were exacerbated by the lethal consequences of misguided public policies imposed to fight the virus. Now, I've long said that uh, the COVID virus was real. It's a real virus, you know, whether man-made bioweapon or, or uh, well, I think it's a man-made bioweapon, all right? But that wasn't the problem. We got over COVID really fast. We are still suffering under the government policies that uh, the excuse, the pretense is COVID. That's the problem. Uh, article says students whose schools were shuttered now suffered the lifelong effect of learning loss. Patients whose timely diagnoses and preventive care were forestalled now for the debilitating outcomes of untreated disease. Small businesses unable to endure prolonged closures are gone for good. Middle-class savings once reserved for unexpected, quote, rainy day uh, funds or children's future educations have dried up. Credit card debt is on the rise while more and more people struggle to survive on less. The safety nets of government welfare programs have ballooned to leave nation states more in debt than ever, but have also proved too perforated with leaky holes, often draining needed resources straight into the bank accounts of corporate campaign donors, interest group lobbyists, and foreign hackers to keep society's most vulnerable afloat. Government's justifications for reckless fiscal, monetary, and credit policies during short-term emergencies have weakened nations' prospects for long-term solvency and the likelihood that they will be capable of preserving stable currencies. You know what's happening with crypto. 
you know what's going on with uh, Sam Bankman, FTC, the whole bit, the whole money laundering, you know, you know, Cayman Island, Ukraine, the whole, the whole connection uh, with currencies is going crazy right now. Right? And then he says, still, or she, <laughs> still, for all the harms their actions have caused, governments have issued no apologies for enforcing such life-altering policies while silencing critics. It's as if the narrative engineers have adopted an official position that they are incapable of being wrong. Let me say that again. It is as if the narrative engineers have adopted an official position that they are incapable of being wrong. That's what following the science means. Follow what we say. Uh, that's what, um, you, know, you know, they call him Leader McCarthy. You know, has to be the Speaker of the House. He just has to. I mean, that's just the way it is. There's no other choice. Uh, you know, in fact, one of the, the Fox News people even called them insurrectionists. You know, the 20 Republicans that are actually Republicans now, they're insurrectionists. They're, they're, they're going against the policy. They're going, you know, they're, 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 they're causing, you know, democracy to break out, <laughs> which isn't what the common thing. But this is, this is what's happening. And so for the first time, the Republicans are actually doing something that Republicans would do. They're standing up and speaking out, you know, and this is such a, such a privilege to see, but it goes against the narrative. So, in fact, even criticizing, even voting for somebody else, even suggesting that somebody else could be speaker can get you labeled as an insurrectionist, someone who wants to overthrow the government. Well, wait a minute. McCarthy's not the government. McCarthy is just an elected representative from California who happens to be in a, quote, leadership party position. But he's not God. He's not the second coming. There's no, there's, no, there's no right of passage. He doesn't have a right to be speaker. You know, it's an elected position by the members of the majority party which goes against, you know, party politics too. But the whole point of this is that it's assumed that you're either with us or against us. You're with, you know, the deep state, you're with the government, you're with the narrative, or you're somehow outside. You know, you're, you're a mega person. You're, you're a white supremacist. You're a whatever you are. You're not with us. It's, it's us and them. It's us, the deep state globalist government, or you're part of them, the outsiders. This is how the world's being divided up. Article says geopolitical conflict is, is wrenching the post-World War II international order apart. While Americans, uh, America's and European Union's climate change policies have already inflated the cost of energy, food, and, and much else, Russia's invasion of Ukraine has only added to ordinary Europeans' financial pain and jeopardizes the continent's security more broadly. China's territorial ambitions threaten peace in Taiwan, Japan, across Southeast Asia, and beyond. The United States' efforts to enlarge NATO's European membership while expanding its mission objectives into the Indo-Pacific all but ensures that the U.S., China, and Russia remain on a collision course. Policymakers cannot help seeing parallels to the quickly falling geopolitical dominoes that ushered in World War I and World War II over the course of a few fateful weeks. They cannot help looking unsustainable accumulation of government debt around the world and the avalanche of investment derivatives balancing unsteady, unsteadily upon fragile currencies unmoored from any real value in gold or silver and fearing the risks of severe depression. They cannot help see, seeing Russian re, 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 was it revengeism? I'm not even sure what that is. And Chinese territorial expansion as signs that the great powers have set a course down a dangerous path. The more nervous about the future policymakers are, the more committed they seem to be enforcing a standard narrative they can't control. It was the, de the detonation of two nuclear warheads over Hiroshima and Nagasaki, and of, cor uh, of course, that brought combat in the Pacific theater to a close and ended World War II, with an exclamation point. Now we stand on a new kind of battlefield. Just as with nuclear weapons, civilians have nowhere to hide from this war's efforts. Weapon systems are spread out across the Internet, deployed on mobile phones, and active on every computer chip. 
tracking, sharing, and pushing digital information throughout the world. Instead of explosives and bullets, we, are, we have competing narratives whizzing past. That's a, that's, a, that's a fascinating image, actually. Anyway, it says the breadth of the campaign to control what information we see, how we process that information, and ultimately what we think and say makes even the most effective psychological operations of the past look antiquated, by rudi- uh, antiquated and rudimentary. Whereas mutually assured destruction has so far succeeded as a deterrent against nuclear war, the tantalizing opportunities for governments to use programs of mass digital surveillance and communication to spread lies, manipulate opinion, and affect human behavior have created a kind of mutually assured dystopia. That is a fascinating line. Let me go through that one again. Whereas mutually assured destruction has so far succeeded as a, as a deterrent against nuclear war, the tantalizing opportunities for governments to use programs of mass digital surveillance and communication to spread lies, manipulate opinion, and lock everybody down, you know, everything else that happened, right, and affect human behavior have created a kind of mutually assured dystopia where people lead dehumanized, fearful lives. It was the British philosopher uh, that said uh, men leave lives of quiet desperation and it ended up in a Pink Floyd song? Anyway, it's true. Most people in an attempt to be normal lead lives of quiet desperation. So privately, they're absolutely desperate, you know, on the edge of, uh, of insanity, uh, whereas they're trying to appear normal. And this goes across the whole entire society. And people, because of that mass, you know, borderline insanity, uh, will try anything to be normal. And that's where the conformity comes from, especially when you add the fear of COVID. Wear the mask. Take the jab. Close down the school. Abandon your family business. Don't stand up for yourself. Don't say things that aren't approved. Don't have unapproved opinions. You know, don't object you know, when the government gives you a mandate. All that stuff is based out of fear and, uh, and, and sort of a, a kind of a collective insanity. And we call it mass psychosis. And then you can see it evident all over the place. Let me go on. We've we got a little bit more here. Almost done. Well, we'll see. In the 1930s, Adolf Hitler spoke with boisterous energy and theatrical gesticulation before tens of thousands of, of stormtroopers, Hitler Youth, and Nazi Party faithful. Today, the dictator's raised stage has been replaced with Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok, and anywhere else in a pop-up audience, online audience, uh, can be found. The visual stimuli that enthralled Hitler's crowds are now reproduced with the release of pleasure-causing endorphins rushing to the brain after every politically correct online statement is rewarded with approval from strangers providing instant fame. Online influencers have become the goose-stepping middlemen for campaigns of mass propaganda that touch more humans in a day than a decade of Hitler's speeches. In an age when information has never been more easily accessible, the world is awash in lies. Instead of encouraging public debate and rational argument, governments push the constant drumbeat of the narrative above all else. A citizen either obediently accepts the government's vast and intrusive COVID-19 rules, or that person is labeled a COVID denier. That would be me. A citizen either obediently accepts the government's vast and intrusive climate change rules, or that person is labeled a climate denier. Again, that would be me. A citizen either accepts Hunter Biden's laptop from hell as Russian disinformation, or that person is labeled a Russian sympathizer. Again, that would be me. You know, daring to say otherwise could get one banned from social media. Yep, I'm severely restricted. Professionally sanctioned. Well, fortunately, I'm on blog talk. Uh, Or even fired from a job. Well, no, (laughs) you can't have that either. Except none of these established narratives has proved true. How about that? Article says, in hindsight, it is clear that lockdowns unleashed more health, educational, and economic problems than they saw. 
And we said that from the beginning. As Europe faces an expanding energy crisis that leaves its populations vulnerable to the cold, it is clear that climate change policies can kill those they are purportedly meant to protect. Yep. Talk about that, too. (laughs) And as Elon Musk's recent release on internal Twitter communications proves, Hunter Biden's laptop was not only real news, censored from the public during a presidential election. Political speech, I think I misread that. Hunter Biden's laptop was not only real news, censored from the public during a presidential election. Okay, so uh, the awkward writing. It says political speech was also censored through the collaborative efforts of the FBI and more than 50 intelligence community agents in violation of the First Amendment. Yep, felt that too. In each case, the narrative proved to be either misleading propaganda or an outright lie. Yet they, yet they were created and sustained by online communications platforms that push the lies and exclude the truths. Had that happened to me too. <laughs> this is the article like about Action Radio. It's, it's so fascinating. Uh, two more paragraphs. It says, as global events increasingly threaten Western stability, governments have demonstrated no inclination to entertain a diversity of viewpoints or discussions along the way. Yeah, so much for diversity, huh? Instead, the more serious issue, the more committed to a single overarching narrative uh, they seem to become. Dissent is despised. Reason argument is lampooned. Don't we talk about reason and logic? All the time on this show, reasoned argument is lampooned. A citizen is expected to blithely accept government-approved messaging disseminated online or risk the wrath of the technology. Yep, <laughs> felt the wrath, not changing one bit. Sorry, I'm here to stay. This last paragraph, this war for 8 billion minds means that citizens must be more vigilant than ever in processing and evaluating what they see and read. Whether they like it or not, they are under attack at all times from those who seek to manipulate and control them. As in the last century, we are surrounded by totalitarian propaganda routinely disguised as, quote, the truth. In this century, though, the reach and scale of mass indoctrination seems endlessly expanding. And that's J.B. Shirk, who writes about politics and society. Whew, that's quite an article. (laughs) Pianchi? I'm going to bring him back in the conversation here. Give him a chance to unmute. It's like everything that's happened to us. That's why I like that article. It, it really describes, you know, our journey here at Action Radio from the, the, the very first bill I wrote saying that uh, COVID's a bioweapon, uh, that uh, the government can only spend half their money on vaccines. The other half has to be spent on early treatments. Uh, and uh, the show starting March 2nd where we said uh, uh, the virus is real, but the government policy is a hoax. It's not true. The mandates are illegal. As you said, the Constitution doesn't have an on and off switch, and the narrative and the mass psychosis continued, and we've been fighting it all the way. And every time I take a step and every time I make a fight, you know, we get blocked. Our bill, there's two bills that would change this country overnight. One is full vaccine product liability on, uh, on Big Pharma, which uh, I wrote like a year and a half ago. And the second one, a few months later, uh, is the bill that would stop all big tech censorship, and information would be completely wide open. And, you know, I wrote that bill too. So I'm really proud of those two. Pianca's written bills, Josie's written bills, Jonathan, you know, these are all reporters on the show. They've all written bills. Um, and so uh, we're here. The citizen legislature is here. And we're not going away. Okay. So I don't care about the government narrative. I don't care about the pressure. I don't care about the censorship. I don't care about the demonization. I don't care about the liberal callers. You know, I don't care about any of that stuff. It doesn't matter because if we're going to win, we have to defeat the globalist Marxist cabal and defeat the narrative with a better narrative, our narrative, the narrative of freedom the narrative that what we do is right and that the greatest good, the only greater good, the only public good is the, uh, uh, is the sum of all the individual decisions, the sum of all the individual expressions of rights, 
There is no public good. There is only individuals and individual rights. There is private property. There is a bill of rights. There is a limited government. There's a constitution. Uh, and there's the ability of we, the people, to write the laws that we consent to be governed by. That's what this is all about. And I'm not changing. I'm not wavering. I'm not backing down one bit. And I don't care how much censorship there is. And I don't care what they say about me when, when this show becomes, you know, major public, uh, uh, we're all major public figures and we get in the national debate. And I don't care about what, what all that happens and the doxing and the, the demonizing and, and the, you know, the accusations of racist, white supremacist, you know, Christian Trump supporting, you know, terrorists, whatever the insurrectionists, whatever they call me, I don't care. I just don't care. You know, we've got it. We've got it. We've got work to do. And that's just how I look at it. Whew. Okay. I'm done. Pianki. <laughs> well, see, I was at a, a council, a convention of states meeting last night, and I made mention about your right, your laws, uh, website. When hmm, interesting. What happened? Uh-huh. Oh, I shared the information with him. He asked a question about changing something. I just don't remember what the topic was, but uh, okay. I told him, I said, well, we have a right to be, the right to laws in which we agree to be governed by him. And so, uh, and I've shared your Write Your Laws website with uh, several other people that show up at those uh, meetings too. They had a nice crowd there last night. That's good. So, but, but my question, and this is something I don't understand. Is, is given the fact that we do what we do, that we give people the opportunity to actually write the laws that they consent to be governed by. And again, there's no guarantee we're going to get them. We still go through the Constitution. We still go through the legislative process. We're not changing anything about the process. We're changing the bills that go into the process. That's the difference. But given that we have this opportunity here, that we have the websites, we have the technology, we have the radio show to make massive change in this country, I don't understand why people, especially at the Convention of States, aren't flocking to this and saying, wow, this is great. Let me, I want to try this. I want to share this. I want to get this message out there. What, what do you think is holding them back? Well, the I, think they, to? I think, uh, yeah, they, you know, the, generally the people that attend those know more than the uh, average citizen on the street. Mm-hmm. But it's a matter of education. And really it's indoctrination because it has to be hammered in. A lot of conversation last night. Uh, we had the superintendent of the public schools in uh, the state of Louisiana. He was there. And a lot of concern was about CRT. A lot of concern was about uh, the things that we complain about in your conversations on your show, like uh, these gender-altering uh, bathrooms and so on and so on and so on. So uh, it's about education, Greg. Yeah, but we need to get people from that point of complaining to action. How do we get them to cross that bridge? How do they get them to think that they can take action? Uh, you know, convention states, you know, you and I disagree on that, and, that, and that's fine. I, I, you know, I, but I would, I would not stop those folks from doing anything and meeting and talking and, and doing whatever they think best. I mean, that's the, you know, we have competing ideas, and that's cool. That's still freedom. Uh, so it's, you know, but, but I'm, I'm curious, how do we get the people to that action stage beyond what I call, you know, raising complaining to an art form? How do we get them to, to think that they can actually do something? You know, uh, there might be another option, uh, either with Convention of States or to Convention of States. That there's something else they can do as well as Convention of States. How do we get those folks interested and motivated to, uh, you know, advocating citizen legislation? Well, it's uh, education and uh, talking. It was, it was a black uh, teacher there, uh, last night I talked to, 
and mm-hmm. she was recommending something about her brother, who apparently is astute on the issue of COS. Huh. So it's about education yeah. and talking. Well, I do enough of that. <laughs> you know, I, mean? I, I, I was on a rant there a little bit ago, but I, I think it really describes, you know, what we do here at Action Radio. But uh, it's still there's this there's, there's the missing, the missing step. The the, the bridge is there. You know, it's like uh, people can walk across it, but they're not walking. They're not getting to that action phase where they're sharing the show, sharing the bills, and think. I just don't. Maybe they just don't think it's possible. Maybe the people are so beaten down that. Uh, you know, that they don't think there's, there's really any hope. And that's my biggest fear, is that people are so beaten well, down. They, they think it's too late. And it's not too late. It's never too apathy late. Apathy existed until they heard messages delivered by uh, uh, Donald Trump and seeing actions by DeSanto. So it's, uh, it's all those. Uh, if people know what's out here, people complain about what's going on. They're mm-hmm. calling Republicans all sorts of names, but they mm-hmm. don't understand the process. Yeah. So what are they saying about Republicans? What are they blaming them for? Yeah, I'm just curious. Pardon me? What are they blaming Republicans for? Uh, for like not electing McCarthy these holding days or what? Country, holding How? up the country. Holding up the country? Holding up the country? By not getting this process out of the way. They think it's something that's supposed to happen immediately because they've been used to who? Nancy Pelosi. When We're used the to the dictatorship. The yeah, they've been used to her. But they don't well, understand. Mm-hmm. You know, I had one guy ask me, what is the world wrong with the Republic? Well, you have members that realize that the entire membership is not on accord for what they should be on accord with. And they give in. Yeah, it's like they go with the narrative. We did, we just spent a whole article talking about the narrative. The narrative is that, uh, you know, the Republicans need to you know, move forward and, and do something that Congress has to do things. Well, I think Congress has to undo things. So we challenge every bit of the narrative. The idea that uh, debating who should be speaker is somehow a problem indicates that we have a much more severe problem. That being that uh, people don't, uh, you know, that they're, they're willing to sacrifice their freedom on their Republic for expediency. You know, they have to get back to work right now. Well, what exactly is the work they're going to do? If you get McCarthy in there, you know, Kevin McDeep state, the work they're going to do is on behalf of the globalists, you know, the, the, the globalist supremacists, uh, and they're going to make the country down, they're going to keep going down the same path of uh, economic suicide with national debt, with oppressive rules, and a great reset. So if you get McCarthy, you lose everything. There is no future with McCarthy. They don't understand that. They don't yeah. understand that. Hmm. They have, and they have no reason to understand because they have never been conditioned, never have been educated, never have been uh, introduced to those aspects of the government of the United States. They need to listen to us. Pianchi, you need to send, that, send our show to everybody on that. Uh, email everybody on your convention of states list. Anyway, Derek's here. I want to ask him what, uh, how, how all this stuff in Congress is affecting the market. I'm kind of curious, so let's get right to him. Money. What is it? How does it work? How do you get it to work for you? So many choices. Stocks, bonds, mutual funds, commodities, and then there are the markets. Oil, gold, manufacturing, trade, energy, even government. To make sense of all the places your money can go, Derek Park of Edward Jones Financial Advisors joins us Fridays at this time to make sense of the markets. 
and your money. Yeah, Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. Haven't talked to you for a little bit. Hope you had a wonderful time and uh, glad to have you back. Yeah, it was a nice vacation. Excellent. Okay, well, in that case, <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> Let's leave, leave right into the main topic, uh, because to me, I, this is, first of all, happy coup d'etat, happy, uh, happy you know, insurrection anniversary when the Democrats and the Marxist Republicans stole the government from the American people, from Donald Trump, and decided to put a coup d'etat. Uh, in place and an illegal government, which is now in its uh, second, it's actually starting its third year today. So happy, happy coup d'etat day uh, from Action Radio. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. Um, yeah. So, so uh, yeah, the, the, I, I was hoping for a little bit of a better start, you know, new year, new, new things kind of thing. But, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the government's proving that uh, they're, they're still dysfunctional. Um, you know, the market is still, still proving that, you know, the economy's got some work to do. So, um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, uh, I kind of figured this first quarter might be a little bumpy. I was hoping mm-hmm. against it that I was wrong. Um, you know, but, uh, so far it's holding true. Well, first quarters in general are kind of slow anyway, aren't they? Cause the, the Christmas retail season is, is done. That's all fourth quarter stuff. And of course it's cold, you know, I mean, how many people in Wisconsin are running out and spending money, you know? So, uh, isn't, isn't this first quarter traditionally slow anyway? Yeah, I mean, it's slow, but that doesn't mean the market's going to be slow. You know what I mean? So if you go back to, uh, you know, 2020, you go back to 2019, you go back to 28. Well, 2018, the the market had corrected, um, you know, about three months before that. So, Mm -hmm. um, you know, it really that that was uh, the new year was was, you know, the signal that, hey, everything's okay, we can go back to normal. Um, So for pretty much every year, I mean, for the past four years, um, the first quarter has been decent or at least good. Hmm. Um, you know, so, um, this is, this is just going to be the first one. Um, well, I say for every year, 2020, um, 2022, the, the quarter was bad. So beginning 2023, so two years, um, you know, we're going into, into bad quarters. I was just writing down something here as we're talking here, uh, you know, things were better under Trump. Is anybody on the, in the markets or any of the big writers out there saying, Hey, things were better under Trump. This is crazy. Why are we doing all the things we're doing now? Why, you know, why are we letting yeah. this happen? There's a bunch of articles that, that do actually say that, that the economy was better under Trump, this, that, and the other thing. But the articles mm-hmm. will also premise, you know, by the choices the government has made, um, you know, to, to do the handouts as long as they could, um, you know, Biden extending those, that has caused more problems than, than, you know, maybe, maybe Trump would have. Um, you know, and I mean, it's, it's, I, I personally don't like to get caught up in the woulda, coulda, shoulda stuff, you know, um, you know, Hey, it would happen like this. Nobody knows for a fact that it would happen like this. You know I mean? It's just, that's, that's people's assumptions. Um, you know, and it's just, uh, uh, I, the articles would say, well, you know, president Trump wouldn't extended unemployment the way, you know, the way that Biden did because he was somebody that, that understood employment because he's owned businesses. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, so, I, I mean, I, I think a lot of that does hold water, you know I mean? But, um, you know, like I said, it's, it's, I, I like to focus on the problem at hand and say, okay, here's what we're going to do to fix it. 
Yeah. Well, that's why I said things were better under Trump. I didn't, you know, I mean, uh, obviously I disagree with the, the current policies because I disagree with the current, you know, regime <laughs> that shouldn't be there. Um, yeah. That's that's a whole different conversation. Uh, I, I disagree Go with ahead. policies. I mean, um, okay. you know, I mean, I, I, I don't agree with, with um, you know, the hard stance on oil because we're still so oil dependent. I mean, I'm open to the batteries and I'm open to other research. I think that's great. Uh, but, you know, coming out swinging on the oil industry, I think all I did was pour gasoline on the fire, no pun intended. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and I, I don't think that was good for the economy. It wasn't good for transportation. It wasn't good for where inflation was headed. Um, you know, I mean, it's it's uh, I think even even um, about four to five months before uh, 2021 began, um, you know, or, or I'm sorry, 2022 uh, was mm-hmm. the end of 2021. I had started telling my clients, I'm like, have you been noticing the prices increase? You know, I'm like, it's coming. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's the hurricane's on the way. Um, you know, so um, you know, it's just uh, uh, the, the the stance on the border. Um, you know, I mean, I I, I you know, I'm not going to say whether I agree with the wall, don't agree with the wall, but you know, many countries that uh, that have problems with their borders build a wall. <laughs> so, oh know, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, and it works out fine. Well, we of, build, we actually build. It's walls. kind of common sense. Yeah, we defend a wall in other countries. You know, the the way you tell a communist country from yeah. a free country is which way the wall works. <laughs> you, know, you look at the Berlin Wall. Right. You know, it's designed to keep people yeah. in. You know, our wall is designed yeah. to keep illegals out. You know, so it, it's all. all yeah. There's an article I'm looking for. I, in fact, I, I put it. Uh, you know, it's one of those many in my collection. Uh, cold fusion. Apparently, there's been some work on cold fusion as an energy source, and they've made some new developments yeah, and things like that. A couple articles on it. I, I haven't read too extensively on it, but I've just seen basic things that they've had huge breakthroughs in it. And, um, you know, I mean, they're they're talking about trying to create, um, you know, the, the perpetual power sources. Yeah. Well, here's one here. In fact, this is the Gatestone Institute, same article I read through uh, before you came on. Uh, it's not cold fusion, it's clean fusion. So I, 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 I read that incorrectly. Unleashing clean fusion power is America's best defense against tyranny. Lawrence Kaddish, December 20th. So this is only a couple of weeks ago. Uh, and do you, I'll just read the first little bit here. It says, may prove to be as historic as harnessing a fire, invention of the wheel, the channeling of, electri- uh, of electricity will certainly rank it on par with the first release of nuclear energy on an experimental Chicago reactor. It says, uh, it is the first successful experiment to extract power from controlled fusion. This is, I haven't even read the article yet. I'll cover that, uh, you know, in, in the next hour. But uh, it seems to me that technology, you know, the, there's still this climate change nonsense, you know, says, well, we have to get rid of stuff rather than find our ways to, to better energy. What's wrong with fusion if it works? I don't get it. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not sure. Um, you know, it's, it's, uh, I'm, I'm sure the power industry is going to probably do everything they can to, to, to debunk any of the research because uh, <laughs> it's a multi-gazillion dollar industry. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's uh, could you imagine what would happen to that company if they said, OK, we've got uh, we've got cold fusion, which costs one tenth of what everything that you do right now. You know, what I mean, <laughs> the, the layoff would layoffs wouldn't even be the word. <laughs> you right. know what I mean? Yeah. Like it, that's it's, like, uh, that's it's, like saying we better use the horse because, uh, you know, a car manufacturer is going to lay off blacksmiths. <laughs> right. right. Yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Buggy uh, whips. You know, I mean, the first company that starts producing that and trying mm-hmm. to tap into the power grid and all the lines and all the stuff that these people did, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. the competition would 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 be would be stomped out. You know, they would they would do their best to lobby against it. Lawsuits. I mean, 
you know, it, it, uh, I, I, I'd be interested to see how the government would get involved in that, knowing that it would lose money. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's a, it's, it's an industry that they wouldn't be able to support anymore. Yeah, it's fascinating. Well, and especially all the wind and solar geeks. But how did we get, for example, from phone lines to cell phones? That was a huge transition. That that, that seems to me a parallel to from uh, you know organic fuel based electricity, coal, oil, natural gas, and uranium uh, to fusion based energy. Wouldn't that be that same kind I mean, of, of revolutionary change? Look at it like this: the technology, the technology that's developed was more mm-hmm. profitable than hard lines. You know what I mean? So if you if you look at that, it, it's it's I don't want to say that it's rare, but, you know, typically if you can find a way to do something for cheaper, people will do it. But it's many, many, many years before there's any impact that happens on things. You know, okay. I mean, and and, you know, eventually once they corner the market, you know, I mean, I, I, I watched this uh, TED Talk thing uh, where mm-hmm. this guy was talking about how Elon Musk says patents are for the weak. And he basically says. You know, when people patent stuff, all they do is protect the rights to a product to stop people from copying it, he says. But what it does is people can copy it and do better. You know, it stops them from doing that. It corners the market. And he said, and what it does is it limits our technology growth, you know, because of greed. And uh, he says he's never patented. Yeah, what's that? Yeah, that's not true. What Elon Musk said, I think he's completely wrong on that. But uh, Well, I mean, he says he doesn't patent anything. Um, he says that he doesn't agree with them because, um, you know, he, he wants somebody to produce whatever it is that he can produce better than he does. He, he welcomes that competition. And, I mean, I, I think that's pretty impressive. I mean, I understand it's how patents work. But he's in a position to do that. See, the whole point of patents is not that you stop innovation, but you actually increase it. Because with a patent, you protect what you have created. Same thing with a trademark. You know, you protect that uh, so that the, the, uh, the, the goods and services, the profits from that go to you. You know, there's yeah. no reason to invent something if your invention is going to be stolen and you're not going to get anything from it. Patents are, you know, uh, you know. trademark. People trademark everything, though. You know what I mean? They trademark names. Right. They trademark, um, you know, certain things and items. You know what I mean? So, so um, you know, you can't even use certain names in this country because they've been trademarked. Well, yeah, you know what I mean? that's, 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 that's like the, that's, the tissue became the Kleenex, you know, or the, 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 the refrigerator, right, right. you know, became Just the fridge, so. which is Frigidaire. So I, I know about generic patent. I actually did some work with the, uh, the FTC uh, when I was in my Washington internship. Um, yeah. Let's get to your point. Then Pianchi had a question, and then I want to get to the report. Um, no, so. I, I was basically just saying I think it's, you know, uh, the fact that we overprotect so many things. And now, I, I, look, if you've got a good invention idea, I, I believe mm-hmm. that that's yours, and you should protect it. Um, you know, but, but you know, uh, trademarking a name so people can't use it, trademarking certain things, I think that's, that's, that's a, a bit, a bit uh, I think that's abuse of our freedoms, in my personal opinion. But, okay, yeah. so, so say somebody said that uh, they created the Action Radio Citizen Legislature, and they had a billion-dollar mm-hmm. marketing budget behind them, and all of a sudden I'm erased from history. Would that be, would that be right? After all the work I've no, done, this? not at all. Not okay. at all. So, so, I mean, I, so why I can't I protect but, my brand and my trademark? Well, they shouldn't be able to do it. You should be able to compete against it with with the same thing. I mean, you just, you know, I mean, I, ideally, if you use the name Action Radio, are you mm-hmm. the same person as the person that's running it? No, you're Greg, and the other guy is Derek, right? You know, so. 
Um, sure, it's called action radio, but, you know, should you be wiped off the face of the planet? No, I don't agree with that. But, okay. you know, I mean, does the patent does the patent protect you from somebody from doing the exactly same thing? Sure. No. But should it protect well, you from somebody doing something similar? No, no, not at all. Well, no, I don't want to stop anybody from doing any, uh, stop anybody from doing anything similar. If someone else wants to set up a citizen legislature, go for it. I mean, you know, same thing. Yeah, I'm trying right. to get more action radio hosts instead of talk shows <clears throat> for the simple reason that I see them as teammates, not competitors. So, but if someone sure. claims, oh, yeah. if someone has a bigger budget, you know, comes out of say, so let's say uh, Salem or Cumulus or one of those stations, you know, they decide to 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 uh, that they want to get into the action radio biz. All right, because we're we're big enough and it's popular enough, and uh, I'm starting to really make some major breakthroughs here. Okay, so I, you know, I, in fact, even if you don't have a trademark, you're still protected. You know, copyright uh, on action radio and the action radio system. Right. Not action radio, not that term, because actually there's a, a repair station in Wisconsin. I looked this up before I got the name. That calls themselves Action Radio Repair Station. Well, we're not in competition with each other, so great. I'm, you know, I can't. I'm not going to go after them, and they certainly can't come after me because we're in two totally different businesses. There's a Greek radio station. FM radio station that calls themselves Action Radio. Cool. I don't care. Mm-hmm. But if someone gets in the yes. business and claims that they are the first Action Radio citizen legislature, now I've got a problem because that's a violation <laughs> of my rights that I've already established this and I already have the track record of several years worth of podcasts and years worth of articles and written bills and everybody else that's contributed to that. So to have that be t- taken away by somebody just because they have more money and they have a bigger marketing right. budget, that's not right. So yeah. I should be able to protect it, but I can't stop anybody and I shouldn't stop anybody from doing something similar. So in other words, remember, here's a great example. It's not like it's Bianca, I promise. But there was a, the, somebody patented the car. <laughs> they actually had a trademark on the car and, and uh, the yeah. automobile. And it, it turns out that all the big auto companies, you know, had to pay royalties in the early days of this time I got from uh, one of these history channel things. So the car companies were paying royalties to this person because they had the patent on the car. That was wrong. That was absolutely wrong because anybody who designed a different car was banned because they had the patent on a car. So you can't do that. You can only patent your car. You can patent your car with your device and your engine and your exhaust and your transmission and your things like that. So someone cannot take a, a Rolls-Royce Phantom Cloud and say, you know, build something completely different called Rolls-Royce Phantom Cloud because it's not. So that's where the trademark mm. makes sense because you're protecting your brand. You're protecting your individual product. But nobody can, can trademark an entire industry. That doesn't make any sense. Right. So, so, so yeah. someone, I trademark Action Radio, but I can't, I'm not going to trademark, you know, a citizen legislature attached to a radio show. I'm not going to do that. I can't do that, and I shouldn't do that. But I can trademark my show and my work right. and, and our bills. That's why every bill goes out of here with writeyourlaws.com on it. That's why every show right, has Action right. I start every title of my show, all, every podcast has Action Radio on it, so everybody knows exactly who it is and who's doing it. It's us. Wow. Well, that got me started. <laughs> Piaki, you had a question? Then let's get to the report. <laughs> I got well, you know the difference between all three of those trademarks is like Coca-Cola. Patent is like uh, automatic transmission, which patents only last for a certain period of time. And what's the other one? I can't think of what you said, but uh, look at Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse, he's mm-hmm. been around for a patent uh, protected for since the 1920s or even before, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then it's Mighty Mouse, mm. and so that's a different mouse. So you, you, can't, you can't trademark mice, <laughs> but you can't trademark Mickey Mouse because that's a particular mouse. Now, I'll tell you what really... I have seen. Uh-huh. I have seen a patent on a plant like this, a Hemby berry out of South Africa. So uh, the university uh-huh. kids went down there, and they found this berry is like 400 times more sweeter than sugar, natural, Ooh. normal sugar. Wow. 
So oh, they yeah. put a patent on this plant. Yeah, but you can't do that here in the United States. You can't patent life forms. You can't do that. So that's one of those restrictions. It's in law. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. In, just for that reason that uh, they didn't create it. <laughs> you, you know, you, you know, God created the plant. Okay, you can't, you can't patent God. <laughs> okay, this is, this is, there's no trademark on God, you know, and creations in this earth. You, you can't trademark a species. You know, now you can trademark things that you create in the lab. That's different if it's a man-made, you know, COVID. COVID-19, I'm sure, has a trademark on it. Um, because uh, the Purbright Institute in England talked about patent, because they, they create coronaviruses in the Purbright Institute. It's from my early COVID studies, I remember that. Uh, anyway, but uh, Eric, Derek, does that make sense? You know, you can you you. Oh yeah. Disney oh, yeah. Disney can trademark Mickey Mouse, but they but they couldn't stop Mighty Mouse. You know, even though they're both yeah. mice, <laughs> you couldn't stop Speedy Gonzalez. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know. Not to not yeah. to ramble on about uh, about patents, but uh, uh-huh. there is a uh, there's a techno DJ and his name is Dead Mouse, and it looks like Dead M O U five, but um, he wears these. Um, like he wears a uh, a hat when he DJs that looks like Mickey Mouse, and Disney sued him, um, mm-hmm. but because he altered it so much, he actually won um, and won money from him because they they lost the settlement. Um, yeah. And uh, then he then out of spite, like he went back and like put it all over his car, <laughs> like he advertised it and drove around with it. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a that's true funny. story. Yeah. Oh, listen, we, we had a restaurant called McSushi in San Francisco, and they got sued by McDonald's because you can't put Mick in front of anything. It's a McDonald's trademark, oh and, they, and they won. Yeah. So they changed yeah. it to Weebie Sushi. So, so we used to go to Weebie Sushi. It was kind of cool. That's a true story. You know, so the San Francisco yeah. restaurant folks would, would, would remember that. But yeah, yeah. Anyway, let's get to the report because we're going to be out of time again. <laughs> I'm going to let you go at 8 o'clock. Yep, yeah. yep. I got you. No worries. Hold on. Let me get it pulled up here. All right. Well, good morning, now, everybody. This is Derek Parker, with Edward H2. Jones. <laughs> and, now, and now the report. Um, this is Derek Park with Edward Jones bringing you the daily financial market report. Markets were lower across the board on Thursday as stronger-than-expected labor data raised concerns that the Fed would keep right rates higher for longer. The tech-heavy NASDAQ, again, was the laggard of the day, down over 1.25%. The solid labor data also supported a move higher in short-term government bond yields, with the two-year Treasury higher by 0.08% to 4.45%. The U.S. dollar was also higher, with the DXY index up 0.8% to 105 levels. The combination of higher yields and stronger dollar is likely to put downward pressure on market sentiment throughout the day. U.S. equities closed lower with the Dow down 340 points or 1.02% to 32,930. The NASDAQ closed down 154 points or 1.47 to 10,305. The S&P 500 closed down 45 points or 1.16% to 3,808. In the commodity markets, the price of crude oil was up 0.9% or excuse me, uh, $0.90 or 1.24% to 73.74, and the spot price of gold was down $20.60 or 1.1% to 18, excuse me, 1838.40. This is Derek Park of Edward Jones, member SIPC. You can get me at 850-995-0082. Hmm. Interesting. Let me get to Pianchi, see if he has a question. Then I've got uh, inflation, oil, gold, my usual stuff. Pianchi, did you have a question for Derek? Well, yeah, uh, people don't complain or shit don't hear about how prices have practically doubled. A Snickers candy bar now is $2.79. I heard someone complaining about a head of lettuce being $7. And uh, 
you know, in other areas too. Uh, beef, a pound of beef. Oh, I bought a duck, cost me twenty-two dollars. A frozen duck. So, uh, well, these prices. You understand how some people even make it. Yeah, I mean, the the good news is, is um, I mean, inflation does seem to be on the run. It has not affected food costs. Um, you know, that's that's one of the ones that's lagging behind. Um, you know, but everything else is following on fall, falling on averages. So that is a good thing. Uh, but I agree with you. Yes, food food costs I heard definitely have mortgage rates have doubled. Derek, did you hear that? It's three percent over over six percent. Which one's what? Mortgage rates have practically doubled. Yeah. Well, I mean, when the Fed funds rate goes up, that that comes with the territory. That's that's part of it. the The good news is, it's like your your money market rates are up over four percent. Your CDs are over five percent. So, you know, I mean, there is some some ways to save. Yeah, it's it's more expensive to finance a house, but uh, it won't stay there forever, and you'll have an opportunity to refinance. Yeah, CDs are five percent. That's that's only three percent of below inflation. So uh, they're catching up. Do you remember Derek? Uh, they exceeded. Yeah. yeah. Do you remember when? Uh, I don't know if you studied the uh, the seventies, eighties, the the Carter administration. Was there a time when CD rates actually exceeded the rate of inflation? Were they offering more? No, I don't. I don't believe so. I think so they, they always they lag. They always, yeah, yeah, they always lag like several percent. Okay. Well, back in the 80s, Derek, I have to go like 20%. Yeah, I've got a a chart uh, that shows where it is. I'd have to go dig it out, Uh, but it shows what the mortgage rates were versus what the CD rates were versus what the uh, inflation was. And I think when Reagan took office his first year, everything was ahead because they were lowering rates and everything was on its way back down. Um, it might have been his second year, but um, I'd, I'd have to dig the chart out. And like Pianchi said, it, it hit – I think the peak was 21.85. Yeah, um, that's, that's, about, that's what I remember. Uh, yeah. But yeah. I don't remember the CDs yeah. ever catching up completely. So in other words, it's a great way to uh, uh, make a certain amount, but you're, you're still never quite catching up. So you'd have to hold your CDs beyond the time when inflation oh, sure, goes yeah. below them to actually well, make money on them. That's what and you then do. Pay, is, then they start paying too much. The, How's that work? Right. Okay. You wait for the Fed. You wait for the Fed to say, "Okay, we're gonna we're gonna tailor off rate hikes," and uh, because it looks like inflation is on the run, at that point you start buying duration, you know, things that are long term. Because what's going to happen is it's going to go down, and you're going to carry it through that term, continuing to get that that high percentage, whatever it is, at that point in time. Are people waiting for that at this point? Are they anticipating that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I okay. mean, I've I've been selling CDs like hotcakes. <laughs> you know? Okay, I'm just so, curious. It, you know, C- CDs are. Uh, you know, I mean, it's a, it's a it's a it's a protection place. You know, what I mean, so so people that have concerns about further market loss tend to run there. Um, you know, I mean, uh, uh, you know, Jones seemed to think that, uh, you know, the market is poised for a good recovery after this next quarter. I would tend to agree with that. Okay. Um, you know, I mean, but then again, it's, it's, you know, we've got our saying, we predict nine out of every five corrections. So we're not real good at predicting what's supposed <laughs> to happen. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, let me ask you. know, uh, we, we just. Yeah, go ahead. No, we just focus on the long term is all I was going to say. You know, I mean, it's, uh, this is a short term problem. You know, I mean, the long term is, is we know that if you stay in certain products, you're going to get a certain return. And that's what we try to shoot for. Well, let me ask you. I got a couple of quick questions here. Then I'll give Pianca another chance. Um, oil is down 
uh, a little bit, $73. So we're still below our 80, uh, but the price of gas has gone up mm-hmm. like 30 cents in the last week here. Um, so what's going on with the oil market that you know? I don't know specifically, and I haven't seen it yet. Uh, we've seen a fluctuation in gas prices around here recently. Um, that could be local taxes. Um, you know, that could be, uh, you know, a multitude of things. So I'm not, not necessarily sure. I'd have to look at what the averages are. Um, but it's not you know, nationwide. oil is. Hmm? There's no nationwide trend on sudden gas increases after Christmas? Nothing that I've seen. The only thing that I've seen on oil here recently was uh, oil is dropping um, in, in cost based on um, China's demand shrinking. Oh, why is that? Why is the demand shrinking? It didn't. It, it didn't. It didn't say. <laughs> it just said the article. You know what like, I ask? <laughs> That's the thing. I'm mm-hmm. going to ask. All right. Well, let me ask you the, the big inflation question because they just passed uh, a 1.7 trillion dollar inflation bill, and and we're still looking into Brandon's little excursion to uh, uh, Saint Croix. We're not because uh, nothing happened. It wasn't on the schedule. There was no public appearances. No press conference. No apparently no no you know press went down with him. It's a very mysterious kind of thing. Um, but he signed this bill that they actually flew down to him to do it. So how long before that inflation kicks in? How long before the, the bad effects of that $1.7 trillion on top of the, what, $6, 7000000000000 they've already spent on COVID in the last couple of years? How long before that kicks in? When are we going to start to see the bad effects of that spending? What's the um, lifetime? I don't know the answer Six months? to that. Um, okay. Yeah, right. I, I don't. I don't know the answer to that. Um, right. uh, I'd I really have to go dig specifically for that, and I'm sorry, okay. I can't answer that. Oh no, I can do that yeah, too. So I, anything I, you, do, yeah. you know, tell me. Say, Greg, you asked me this question. Why don't you look it up? I was like, okay, fine. Because <laughs> yeah. I forget what I asked you. It's, yeah. wait, wait, I mean, it, there's there's going to be an impact, and I mean, you know this. I mean, you're you're an econ major. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, the government's still spending money when they uh, spending mass amounts of money when they don't need to be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, so um, I'm sure there's going to be some some headache that comes from it when you know i mean i i can't that's that's too hard for me to figure out well i just want this like a general formula like for every trillion dollars that the government borrows inflation goes up you know two percent you know within six months i mean that that's kind of what i'm looking for like it's sort of a general principle i don't obviously not we can't do anything exactly because we don't have the supercomputers but uh, i'm just curious is, is it do you know of you may not know of one but is there a, a any kind of like a, a rule of thumb i guess it's called you know, for every trillion dollars of, of borrowing the government does, it, it has X effect. I might look that up myself. Actually. I'd have to, I'd have to look for a formula. <laughs> so it's well, let me do that. I, I, let me let me yeah. take that one. Um, Pianki, do you have a question for Derek? Because he only has a couple minutes left. Well, I was just going to say, looking at the twelve sectors, it looked like energy pipelines finished very strong in twenty twenty two, in the twenty percent range for income on your investment. And they project 2023 to be good also. Who would ever thought? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's uh, it, it, it's it's interesting. I mean, it at that at that matter, or for that matter, rather. <laughs> hmm. Anything else on? Um, I think they just found a bunch of money. Oh, here's another headline: 1.7 million dollars in crypto vanishes from Banksman Freed linked firm uh, days after his release uh, on bail. So, so what's good? anything? Anything latest on the on the FTX or whatever it is, uh, Bank Freed situation? Anybody talking about that in the market? No, you know, I mean, the, the, the media is astonishingly quiet on it, um, except oh. Fox News. And I read, about, I read about five different news sources to make sure I, don't, I, I try to find a balance in which way people lean, um, mm-hmm. you know, and 
um, the only news source that's really throwing anything out there on it is Fox. Everybody else is – you might get a little blurb every once in a while, but they are, they are quiet. I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's sad because if you open almost every news source, I'll tell you within the first five articles, on everyone except Fox, there's at least one to two articles on what's going on with Trump. You know, I mean, like there's what, they're, still? They're, they're, yeah, <laughs> what? they are pumping that stuff like crazy. You know, what I mean, what, it's, what, it's, what are they uh, saying about Trump? What are they, what, this is what, what are they saying about Trump? What are they saying about Trump? Any, any, anything, <laughs> any really? and everything they possibly can. Yeah, I mean, here, hold on, I'm just gonna click on. Oh no, go ahead. This is, here. <laughs> this is uh, funny. <laughs> sorry, I, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say the 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 news source, but oh, that's okay. six 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 articles in. Two years after U.S. Capitol attack, investigation into Trump and insurrection enters new phase. That's the sixth article in. The four before that one are all on failures on the GOP and then one on that murder guy up on Idaho. Hold on. Let me open another one. Oh, feel free. This is hysterical. Yeah. I love stuff like this. Yeah. Yeah. So third third article in. Um, this one, oh, oh, oops, actually, I, I clicked on something else, and it got me on one of the news articles. Oh. Third article in, where'd it, where'd it go? Hold on, I clicked <laughs> on a news thing, I gotta go back. Yeah. Uh, Trump remains under scrutiny for January 6th insurrection. That's the third article <laughs> in. You know, Happy so coup d'etat it, day. It, it's like, here, here and, and I'll go to the, I'll, 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 I'll talk about Fox. Um, This is funny. I mean, there's absolutely nothing on on Trump now. There's 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 uh, the third article in is on you know what's going or fourth. I'm sorry, is what's going on with the speaker thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Then there's stuff on football. There's stuff on dating. I mean, it's you know I, I, I appreciate Fox sometimes because there's actually a mix of things you uh-huh. know that are important. If you go to every other news source. It's literally Trump, 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 Trump. Okay, here's a couple other things, and then oh by the way, here's a little bit more Trump. You know, I mean, it's just like, my God, they pump that stuff out. Well, no, it's all part of the, the narrative. Listen to the show before you came, came on with my Gatestone article about the control of eight, uh, eight billion minds. Well, how about Pfizer stock, given the fact that uh, Daryl uh, DeMar uh, Hamlin um, was almost killed by what I consider, you know, a vaccine injury? Uh, is Pfizer stock doing well? Has anybody questioned them? Has anybody even raised the, the possibility that this football player was nearly killed? by a jab from a government-funded COVID program to the NFL, has that hit the market at all? Nope. <laughs> and if it was, it would be squashed really quick. Um, you know, I mean, there's there's been really no um, no large impact to the stock price. Uh, Moderna and, and Pfizer, both of them still doing well. How about that? So, uh, so much for the – now uh, – What's the opposite of insider trading is when you have uh, somebody getting inside information and using that to, uh, to make a huge profit. What is the denial of information on a mass scale? It's like the opposite of insider. It's like, you know, it's like blocking of trading where the information isn't available to the insiders, but it's not available to the outsiders. Is, is there a comparable uh, term in the investment world for, for the op- – well, I don't even know what you'd call it. What, what would we, you know, Pianki, feel free to help on this too. What would be the opposite of insider trading? Outsider trading? You know, or banning outsider trading because people can't make good decisions knowing that they, you know, someday hopefully we'll get a massive lawsuit. And if it's not a lawsuit directly on Pfizer, someone's going to be responsible for this. Maybe the NFL themselves. Yeah. I mean, Big Pharma doesn't have any liability, but what kind of liability does the NFL have? 
They took the money from government. They pushed these, these uh, dangerous vaccines. They made you know, their people get them. Now, they stopped it in 2022. But the, you, you know, if, if the average player you know, has, has three seasons, then you're talking uh, you know, 20 and 20, the 2020 season, the 2021 season. That's two-thirds of the NFL have right. potential fatal heart you know, attacks coming, especially during the adrenaline yeah, yeah, rush I mean, of a football game. I think they should be held liable, in my personal opinion. I mean, what, but big um, pharma. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay, well, we I, mean, I, I think big pharma yeah. and and anybody that that forced somebody to get the vaccine, I think they should be held liable. Yeah, yeah. No, I agree. But we have a bill on that. We have our two big bills uh, are on vaccine product liability and ending big censorship. We get those two in the national debate. Everything changes. I don't know how but yeah. everything changes, but, but how about the NFL themselves? Because the NFL doesn't have um, liability immunity from what they do to their players. Do they, or do they? Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but I don't believe they should. I mean, my personal opinion, but you know I mean? Again, that's an opinion. Well, let's find out. Pianchi, do you know anything about this? You know, sports people, you knew Demetrius Johnson, if I remember, and he died shortly after a COVID vaccine. Is there any liability for the NFL for what they do to their players? Well, you know there is. <clears throat> They've got insurance, but a large amount of insurance on those players, for one thing. Oh, this kid that got hurt the other day, he's on the work comp- workers' comp, even though they had a GoFundMe for him, which has exceeded over $7 million. So, yes, they got oh, wow. insurance on those players. That's interesting. But the other player, the the player that I think it was Nigerian, uh, the football player, 38-year-old, I can't even pronounce his name, he died. You know, and, you're, and the person that you knew, Demetrius uh, Johnson, died, you know, and uh, within time of getting a COVID shot. And in fact, I don't know of any NFL player that uh, died of a COVID shot. He, yeah, Demetrius retired. He got his COVID shot early on in the in the activity. As a matter of fact, the first, uh, well, yeah, early on when he was requiring and shutting down schools and things. So that was around the time he got his. But the, no, huh. the NFL, those uh, sports uh, clubs, they have insurance of some sort on those players. Hmm. I'm thinking you know, they can stipulate the player's contract. They can't uh, ride a motorcycle. They can't skydive, can't fly a plane, stuff like that. Oh, really? Well, that's interesting. But oh, they yeah. Get a COVID yeah, shot? Yeah. <clears throat> wow. Derek, do you know anything about this? I'm, I'm just curious. And then, then let's, uh, I know you have to go, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah, time. yeah. No, I mean, you know, all, all the, uh, you know, sports people and stuff like that. Um, you know, I had a, I have a, a client that uh, used to be a professional baseball player, and he said it was like so hard to get um, specialty insurance. You know, I'm mm-hmm. like because they had so many limitations on what they could do because of how high paid they were. Oh, um, okay. You know, so yeah, it's it's uh yeah, yeah that's pretty common. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's spot on with it. Interesting. Well, Gary Jeter of the Yankees. Couldn't walk to the stadium. He couldn't drive himself. He had a chauffeur that come pick him up and take him here for his head. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I, I need yeah, a chauffeur for action radio. I got to become out that here, valuable. <clears throat> I want a chauffeur for my job. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. take <laughs> me to work. That's funny. Even well, out of your um, own plane. Uh, well, no, I'm going to get my own plane. In fact, I'll be talking to you about yeah. that. I want to know. I want to know how to finance it properly. You know, through the Action Radio Corporation, Action Radio One. It's going to be a Viperjet Mark II, and you and I are flying. In fact, Pianca will be flying with him, right. too. I got plans, man. You I got big plans. I'll, I'll, I'll jump out and get an action radio uh, parachute. 
Yes, I don't know if you can skydive out of this. I'd have to, uh, you know, I guess uh, roll it upside down, open the canopy, and say, "Okay, bye." I'll see you on the ground. <laughs> oh, it's, okay. I don't, I don't know what kind of aircraft it is. <laughs> it's a jet. I it had like a. It's a, it's a five hundred mile an hour two seat fully aerobatic jet. Oh yeah, I ain't jumping out that fast, man. You got to slow down to about one forty, man. <laughs> Why should I do that? That's like landing speed. <laughs> oh, I, well, I, that's that's jumping speed. <laughs> okay, fine. Yeah, I'll tell you, you know, this is actually fascinating. There are two kinds of people in the world, those that fly airplanes and those that jump out of them. It's a, it's yeah, a totally yeah. different world. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Well, good. It was a good conversation, guys. You guys uh, have a have a great weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Derek. This is really fun today. Appreciate it. Yep. Take care. All right. Take care now. That's uh, Derek Jones of, uh, excuse me, Derek Park of Edward Jones. Uh, financial advisors. He's in pace. And if you want his phone number, listen to earlier on in the show. Um, this is this whole liability question, Pianki, before I take a break now. Um, th- this to me is fascinating that, um, you know, the, who is liable? I mean, why is this not medical malpractice? I mean, is the, uh, the NFL liable for, for practicing medicine or do they have actual, I guess they have to have actual doctors, not just trainers. They have medical, they have medical doctors on staff, correct? I mean, I'm not sure about that, but I think so. Yeah, they have doctors on staff. So if they have medical doctors on staff prescribing um, a COVID jab to players that are the, young, the, the youngest, some of the healthiest people on the planet, for virus that's not going to affect them, you know, even though the, the, the NFL is taking money from the government, I heard that, uh, uh, and Peter McCullough was just on uh, Dan Ball. It was a repeat show right before I came on the air, talking about the adrenaline rush of, of playing uh, a football game, and that's the most likely time to have a heart attack is when you've got a surge of adrenaline, which you're going to have anyway if you're doing a tackle. I, mean, I just I think that's I'm sure if they measured that, so that's that's why these things happen when they do. Um, but where's the liability for the doctors? They they don't have the blanket immunity that Big Pharma has. I mean, you can't sue sue Big Pharma. You know, for Demar being, uh, I think, almost killed by a vaccine, but you could certainly uh, well, not to the people that gave it to him. What's that now? They're not going to report on it. They report on uh, the heart, but they're not going to report on what caused the heart to act as it did. Yeah. Other than that, it was called upon. And you know, the funny thing about it, mm-hmm. I heard one news uh, reporter say that it happened at the right moment. Well, how, and I think me and you talked about that. Well, a heart beats normally is 72 times per minute. That's right. more than one beat per second. So what is the right moment? It's unmeasurable. It was just a, a happy-go-lucky statement that he made. Yeah, I might so, have mis- uh, misheard you when you first said that. But, yeah, I mean, what are the chances? I mean, how, how infinitesimally small? Well, like I say, it's never happened in the NFL, that, that comordio cordis or whatever it's called, that, that, uh, that strike. That it, like I say, it reminds me of uh, – you ever seen the movie Kill Bill with uh, – um, was it Michael Carradine and uh, – what's his name? What's his name, Carradine? David Carradine. David Carradine? Yeah, and um, Uma Thurman, you know, with the, the five-finger death touch exploding heart technique. <laughs> You know, that's what it reminds me of the exact right strike, the exact right time you stand up and you keel over and you die. It's almost, uh, it's almost like that. This comordio cortis thing they're talking about, you know, or it's like Undine's curse, you know, that killed all the people in the, in the movie black widow with uh, Deborah Winger and uh, Teresa Russell. Um, you know, this, well, it's just, it happens. These unexplainable rare events, you know, it's like every time somebody dies uh, of, of less than a, than a senior age, you know, it's like, well, unexplained conditions or, or, you know, a rare condition or natural causes. No, there's nothing natural about this. And yet they refuse to say what's really going on. 
Well, if huh. you ever have a football field after a play, a kickoff uh-huh. return, and you look around, you got four or five players laying out on the field at one time, then maybe people start looking. Well, that's, in other words, yes, it's the, the, the cold, hard reality of what we've been telling people would happen unless they did something. Uh, it's going to happen because they didn't do something. And it, it's, it's tragic, and I'm really sorry for, you know, let's, let's pray for the players it doesn't happen, but... You know, it's, uh, I think it's inevitable that more players are going to collapse and die or, or at least collapse on the fields due to uh, vaccine injury. Let's take a quick break, play a couple more things, and then I'll be back in a little bit. And uh, let's talk about uh, Clean Fusion. As we ever talked about it on the show, that would be kind of fun for, for, to tie up the weekend. They'll have more controversies next week. Uh, so we shall, uh, we shall continue there. Be right back. From Addiction to Achievement. That is the story of Mike Lindell. It started with my pillow and now goes to my coffee. Action Radio is proud to be an affiliate of my pillow. Our discount code is the same for all our product affiliates, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws. My pillow pillows are guaranteed the most comfortable pillow you'll ever own. Action Radio is guaranteed to be the most controversial show you will ever hear. Check out their products with our discount code at MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. That's MyPillow.com slash W-Y-L. Or order now by calling 1-800-544-8939. That's 1-800-544-8939. Sleep well so you can wake up and hear Action Radio Live. Hello, this is Greg Penglis for our newest shooting range here in Milton, Florida. Stand your ground. My friend Jason Myers and crew are creating an incredible facility for our city. Stand your ground is located at 6632 Elva Street. The phone number is 850-789-1776. Their email is standyourground1776 at gmail.com. Here you'll find either in process or already going an indoor shooting range, axe throwing, archery, a rage room, self-defense classes, concealed carry weapons classes, security license training, paintball, a full-service gun store, and 24-7 online ordering. So come on down or contact them by phone, email, or website and learn how you can best stand your ground. This is Greg Penglis for Strike Force, your source for pure energy. Strike Force is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strike Force. So our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code WYL to the discount code window at checkout. WYL comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? 
It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. And we are back, and I've got Topianki here, and we're closing out another week at about uh, 45 minutes left. We do start earlier on Fridays uh, so that we can get Shirley uh, in on the show. And then, again, she had to leave early for, uh, for a class that she was teaching. And so, yeah, <clears throat> maybe I'll, start, you know, I'll talk about maybe start a little earlier on week so when that happens because, uh, you know, as all my reporters, I love having them on the show. So, you know, the more time, the better. Um, let's you know, giving, you know, sort of going with my theme of talking about what can happen as opposed to what has happened, this whole idea of clean fusion. I've never really explored this, but it's something I find interesting. Pianchi, do you know anything about this uh, or about the experiment or the whole idea of fusion, uh, the energy possibilities from this? You know, fusion, I imagine, is the fusing of atoms together to release energy as opposed to fission, which is the splitting of atoms to release energy. But I'm not really clear on the physics yet. This is why I wish Dr. Pry were here uh, back with us. Dr. Peter Pry would be able to explain this pretty well, but uh, I'm not sure. Pianchi, do you know no, about this? I'm not familiar with it. I don't. I wouldn't. I would only suspect that you re- get energy is mm-hmm. when you split uh, atoms, but the fusing atoms together, I just don't uh, can't picture it. Well, see, this is why it's so interesting, but because the sun works on a fusion reaction, you know, the sun fuses hydrogen and helium, and when the sun runs out of hydrogen, you know, millions and millions of years from now, um, then uh, we're not going to have that reaction anymore. So the sun is a fusion reaction. That's why they, the scientists study the sun. And uh, it, it obviously releases, you know, amazing amounts of energy. It keeps our planet alive, you know, and uh, sometimes makes some places really hot, <laughs> you know. But, uh, but the sun is a fusion reaction. And so a fission, just as distinguish between fission and fusion, the splitting of the atom where the hydrogen bonds, the, 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 the atomic forces that hold atoms together, when you split that, you know, with the critical mass with a fission reaction that releases an incredible amount of energy, uh, as we saw with the atom bombs over uh, Hiroshima or Hiroshima, depending on how you pronounce it, and Nagasaki. But a fusion bomb, they tried to do fusion, and that's a whole different thing. So, so the, the fission, the first bomb, a uh, little boy, was a, a fission, was a, a uranium bomb, and the second one, Fat Man, was a plutonium bomb. But there's still fission reactions. They're still splitting atoms. And so the idea of fusion, you know, the unlimited power, as Derek says, you know, if we can produce electricity at one-tenth the cost, you know, if you have fusion, you don't need solar or wind. <laughs> so the greenies are going to go nuts with this. And the last thing that the, the Marxists want is an unlimited supply of cheap energy because nothing is more freeing of people. Uh, well, actually, a few things. Let's say unlimited and, uh, you know, and, and virtually uh, free or extremely inexpensive energy, um, freely available food, and uh, freely, you know, so if you have energy and you have food, you pretty much can do anything else you want. You got your food, you got your energy, you can run the society. And uh, that'll lead to, you know, single family homes and individual cars, you know, and investments in property and all the other things that we have. But the society really runs on energy and food. 
I'm trying to, and maybe shelter because we can include that as well, but we've already got shelter, but the things that we, we can make vastly uh, improved would be energy uh, and food. So let's concentrate on energy. So this is an article December 20th by Lawrence Kaddish, K-A-D-I-S-H. See, we've got a little bio on this person. It's a fairly short article. Uh, Lawrence Kaddish serves on the board of governors of Gatestone Institute. Okay. Gatestone's where I got a lot of my stuff because they're really good. And it's G-A-T-E-S-T-O-N-E. And they're called an International Policy Council. And all these flags of all these different countries up top. So, so Lawrence says, it may prove to be as historic as the harnessing of fire, invention of the wheel, or the channeling of electricity. It will certainly rank on par with the first release of nuclear energy in an experimental Chicago reactor or its first test as an atomic weapon near Los Alamos, New Mexico. It is the first successful experiment to extract power from controlled fusion. It may take a decade or more to convert their successful experiment into commercially available power, but what it offers is an inexhaustible, readily available source of clean energy that eliminates pollution, greenhouse gases, or radioactive waste from the current generation of nuclear reactors. In short, it has the means to be as powerful and transformative as any advance in energy technology mankind has ever deployed to run a society. That's one hell of a big statement. And here's what's interesting. The folks that, that know figure we have at least 200 years of oil, coal, natural gas, uranium, things like that. So the organic fuels, we've got a couple of hundred years supply. But if we already have our first experiment in, in uh, clean fusion, cold fusion, and they're talking about only 10 years before it's commercially available, that's nothing. That gives us a 190-year buffer <laughs> you know, where we can still use oil. You know, and so they can still perfect this. And there's no rush to do this. We've got plenty of oil, plenty of coal, plenty of natural gas. Uh, and those create uh, carbon dioxide, which feeds the plants. So my question is, I'm wondering if this will cause a deficit in, uh, in carbon dioxide. I, I'm just curious. You know, the next, we, we may have a carbon dioxide problem. We, we may have to burn more gasoline just to keep the plants alive. <laughs> but I digress. It says here, fusion occurs. And this is the, the question I asked Pianchi earlier that I don't know either. Fusion, oh, it talks about the sun. See, I haven't even read this one yet. This is one of those articles just kind of sitting there on the computer. Now, let's get to this and see what we find. Fusion occurs within our sun and the stars that fill our night sky. The process combines hydrogen atoms, turning it into helium. See, I was right. Hydrogen atoms turning into helium and producing the sunlight that allows civilization to exist, orbiting some 93 million miles from the sun. It's a good thing we are. We'd be baked. <laughs> you think you got skin cancer now? Yeah, move closer to the sun. Anyway, it says, in an effort to replicate that law of physics, American scientists have used reactors and lasers to determine how they can harness its enormous power. It has been estimated that a modest container of the fusion fuel is equivalent to 1 million gallons of oil, generating some 9 million kilowatt hours of electricity. Oh, yeah, the Greenies and the government are going to hate this. They're going to tax it, stop it. They're going to do everything they possibly can. You know, especially the wackos with their whole uh, green energy program. We don't need a green energy program. We, we have a green energy program. It's called fusion. So this to me, hydrogen fuel cells and, and fusion uh, electricity seems to be the future. That's where I think we need to go. And as much as I love oil, coal, natural gas, if I have to run my, you know, my uh, 1961 Corvette on fusion, I don't care. I'm still going to drive a 1961 Corvette and, I'm, and, and I'll run on fusion power. It's just going to have a better engine. That's all, <laughs> you know, and, and we'll have like a computer replicating the sound of a, of a 350 Cleveland, you know, V8 <laughs> or whatever. Anyway, then it says, as we discovered with the invention of the atomic bomb, physics can't be kept as a national security secret. Oh, that's for sure. The Soviets were working on trying to figure out how to harness fusion for something other than a hydrogen bomb more than a half a century ago. 
Yeah, and th- th- that gets into our trademark discussion. So in other words, you can trademark your device. You can trademark your, your, and patent your cold fusion, your clean fusion specific device, but you can't patent uh, cold fusion energy. So, so that's the difference. And so that's, uh, you know, protecting indiv- in your individual work, but not the entire uh, idea or the entire industry. Anyway, it says Soviets were trying to figure this out, which is good. I'm glad they were trying to figure it out. Glad somebody is. They'll move us along. We didn't get small cars until the Japanese brought them in. Remember that. Then he says, before the fall of the Soviet Union, there was, an, there was even a mutual assistance program announced by Ronald Reagan and Mikhail Gorbachev. Yeah, it benefited both countries. If we can get to fusion faster, you know, why not have a joint effort? You know, the English and the French cooperate all the time now you know, on, on industries and things. Look at the Concorde. Look at Airbus. You know, Airbus is a European consortium of countries that build airplanes to compete with Boeing, and they've done it very successfully. You know, and Boeing you know, needs to get their act together and stop building, you know, build a new airplane. Don't build a 737 MAX that has a little problems. Build a new airplane. That's what they're supposed to do. <laughs> you know, anyway, I digress. But, uh, but consortiums, have, uh, you know, can be a huge benefit to nations. You know, when industry is so big that a, a multinational corporation, you want to do it? I don't care. Just don't patent the airplane because <laughs> it's already been done. I wonder if the brothers had a patent. I guess the Wright brothers did have a patent on the airplane. I'll ask Pianchi about that when I'm done with this article. Anyway, uh, the article says, but leadership in energy technology is crucial to a nation that is founded on freedom and committed to remaining a global superpower for good. That's what we talked about earlier. The article says America has already invested hundreds of millions of dollars into fusion research and is beginning to pay off in this most recent announcement of a breakthrough. New and expanded research efforts are being announced by America's scientific community in concert with universities such as MIT, that would be the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, and with Western nations. They are suggesting the first commercial power station might come online as early as the 2030s. That's seven years, folks. Okay? Cold fusion in the 2030s or clean fusion or just fusion energy in the 2030s changes everything. Absolutely changes everything. And you know the best person to put us in shape for that is Donald Trump. I'll tell you right now, we need Trump for fusion because the Greenies aren't going to do it. The Greenies aren't going to let Brandon or the Democrats do it. They go backwards. You know, who brought in the Space Force? Donald Trump. You know, who did all kinds of things to open up markets and jobs and technologies? Donald Trump. Who closed down the space program? Barack Obama. See, Democrats don't want to explore. They don't want new. They want old. So the Democrats are really the conservatives, conserving things that have long since, you know, outlived their usefulness. So they, I mean, water power. Yeah, water power is great, you know, but uh, you know, wind power is great for windmills, and you know, it's appropriate somewhere. But that's old technology. Well, let's, let's look at this fusion thing. I'm kind of excited now. Then it says, smart oil company executives who also recognize the power of physics will immediately understand that fossil fuels, which are better known as organic fuels here, could very well become a museum curiosity if the key to unlocking the power of fusion has just been found. If that is the case, they too should begin to invest in these advances, accelerating our leadership in fusion while ensuring they have a seat at the table when the oil age comes to an end. Well, you know, the oil age may not come to an end. You know, cars, it still might be best to power cars with gasoline uh, and diesel, um, even if we have fusion. And that's something to think about, too, unless we have a fusion reactor to a hydrogen fuel cell. But the problem is, has always been with power, that power plants fueled by organic fuels, oil, coal, natural gas, and uranium, uh, are, are, are double doing it if you, if you power your vehicles on that. If you power your vehicle on electricity, the power company has to buy the oil, coal, or natural gas. Instead of having the gas go directly into your vehicle, they buy it first, then they have to, to convert it to electricity, 
And with all the losses in the conversion, plus the losses in transmission, the losses that eventually get to your vehicle. Well, that's stupid. So the electricity comes secondhand from, from the very petroleum that could fuel your car directly. Well, that doesn't make any sense. You're buying it twice. So hopefully uh, we'll have something equivalent to uh, you know, these engines. But you never know. If my car runs on fusion, if, if I buy a Ford Fusion, <laughs> it actually runs on power that might be kind of interesting okay i'm just curious anyway it says it is rare for us to recognize a turning point in humankind's history too often it comes with the declaration of war in this case it is the sharp light of lasers illuminating a power as old as creation one that is about to change the course of civilization for the better of course the big question is why this wasn't international news all over the place saying look folks don't worry we got a few more years of uh, of organic fuels we're going to have fusion the world is going to be fine. The environment's going to be fine. Don't worry about the things we're burning now. Besides, the exhaust coming out of your car is going to go to the uh, is going to go to your you know your cactus anyway. <laughs> Pianki, what do you think? Now, what do you what now? What do you think of fusion? I'm kind of impressed. Well, you know, hydrogen is dangerous. <clears throat> so I don't know how uh, I've I've heard of these proposals in the past. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you can't drive around with a tank of hydrogen in your tank. That there is really dangerous. So, well, they're using hydrogen. I don't know. But the um, well, the next thing to look up is hydrogen fuel cells. I'll probably do that next week. But uh, so using hydrogen to make see this like helium, hydrogen versus helium. You know the Hindenburg blew apart because it was hydrogen. Hydrogen is unstable and highly flammable. You know, especially when mixed with oxygen, you, know, you get these big flames. Yeah, but helium. That was thing there. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but what the but our our our, our air fleet, our dirigibles, our our blimps, you know, our blimps were powered by uh, helium, so they were fine. Yeah. And you know, you talk about the sun. As the sun expands its uh, fuel, uh, its outer circumference is expanding where it was encompassed, not only. Mercury, but it will, you know, it will bake everything on the planet Earth. Well, yeah, it will. I mean, I, I've been reading that when I was a kid going, oh, no, the world's going to burn up. What's going to happen to my, you know, my, my millions of years dead body? <laughs> you know, I don't worry about that anymore. You know, so it's, uh, but those are the things you think about when you're a kid and you start reading science books at the age of five. <laughs> you get really upset. Oh, no, the sun's going to go supernova. It's going to it vaporize the earth. What will happen to everything? Well, you know, at this point, I don't worry about but it. You I don't know, worry about the next, like, 30 what years. What I would like to see uh, is anti-gravity. How would you that know, work? The way we picture uh, the USS Enterprise when it comes to earth and land. Mm-hmm. You know, in Star Trek, and it just right, takes need, right off. Yeah. We need a transporter? <laughs> we, need, is that, we need a transporter? Space. Space. Oh, market's starting. Market's Uh-oh. opening. Market's oh, opening. That's, yeah, but that's, that's there. That's it's got to be some scientific principles that people should – somebody's probably working on. But just think what uh-huh. uh, promises that would be great. You don't have to have a runway. You just go straight up. Well, the uh, the drone. Te- did you hear our drone show yesterday? If you look at uh, drones, there are personal drones out there. I mean, I just mad for a drone scooter. It's got eight little turbojet engines. You know, it's go 250 miles an hour. You lay on it like a. Storm. It's got a couple little wings, and off you go. 
course, if the engines fail, it doesn't glide very well. But uh, that's another story. So they'll probably have like a ballistic parachute on it. But just the future is really exciting. You know, like I say, I'm hoping I'm around long enough and in good enough shape to enjoy some of these new toys that are coming out. I mean, personal drones are going to be a thing as well. You're going to hop into your, your eight-propeller drone. You're going to flip the on switch, and off you're going to go. And that's going to cause a problem because all of a sudden you're going to have non-pilots flying all over the place in these drones. It's going to be really dangerous. It's also going to be really exciting at the same time. But uh, that's coming. So there's some really exciting stuff coming. You know, the jets, the, 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 the Viper jet that I want, you know, it's composite. It uses a, a Learjet engine. Uh, 500 mile an hour transportation, personal transportation, fully aerobatic. It's like a military jet trainer, front to back seating. The whole I mean, so, so the, the military career that I, I wanted until my eyesight went bad, you know, uh, I still, uh, I still want to get the chance to prove that I can fly a jet, you know, all over the sky. <clears throat> so that's, that's, uh, you know, that's why I keep holding, holding onto that dream. Hasn't wavered one day since, uh, since I first thought of it when I was like four. <laughs> so, you know, <clears throat> the dream's still there. So uh, 60 years, still going strong. All right, let me bring up something totally different here uh, as we go through my articles. Seth Rich. Seth Rich is one of those folks that we think was, uh, you know, killed by the, uh, the Democrat assassination squad. Uh, that would be, you know, Hillary Clinton, some other Bill Clinton. We don't know who. But we know that a lot of people that investigate the Clintons, investigate the Democrats, uh, about to testify, and in those matters, they have like accidents in the gym, accidents in the garage, accidents, whatever, and they commit suicide by shooting themselves in the back three times. So these things are happening. We have a lot of those articles on our special investigations page, the Action Radio Special Investigations Project. One of the people that I'm fascinated with is Seth Rich. And so here's a, from the Free Thought Project. So if you want to go find a good website, look at the Free Thought Project. I often uh, pull their stuff up for, uh, I should do more than for the show, but I often uh, take a look at it. So here's the headline. FBI revealed it has more information on slain DNC staffer Seth Rich, but won't release most of it for 66 years. Well, isn't this a surprise? Now, why would the FBI, let's, let's take a wild guess at this. Why would the FBI hold on to information about somebody that was allegedly killed in a robbery? Why would they do that? Pianki, I'll give you one guess. What is it? Well, I don't know what it is, but the thing is, the reason they're withholding it is because it implicates the FBI. <laughs> you know, so it probably implicates the FBI and all the things that they're doing. You know, all the, the insiders that they have in groups like, uh, you know, the Proud Boys and the Oath Keepers and all the others, and the, the Twitter and the, the Facebook stuff where they're regulating our speech. And, you know, hey, let me just read the article. <clears throat> so it's uh, from... The Free Thought Project, December, it looks like 6th uh, or 16th. Anyway, so this is last month. It says the FBI not only has possession of a laptop computer owned by Democrat National Committee staffer Seth Rich, that's S-E-T-H-R-I-C-H, who was murdered in 2016 by unknown assailants, but a report detailing forensic imaging of what's being described as Rich's work computer, the Bureau revealed in a new filing. The FBI's records office located the report while searching for the work computer. Michael Seidel, S-E-I-D-E-L, chief of the office, said in a sworn declaration filed with a federal court in Texas on December 9th. He described the document as a three-page forensic report detailing the actions performed by an outside entity to image the work laptop. The report was among four documents that have never been disclosed by the FBI in relation to Rich's case. Now, if I remember, and I'll probably say so in the article, the Seth Rich, I think is the one that... Uh, uh, released all of Clint, Hillary Clinton's, you know, emails. 
30,000 emails or 30 million or whatever it was, probably 30,000 emails. I think he's the one that released it. So he's kind of like Julian Assange. He's kind of like uh, Snowden. So he's a whistleblower. He's a releaser of stuff that uh, powerful people don't want known, but the rest of us need to know. That's if I remember what Seth Rich is. Anyway, it says journalist Cy Hirsch, S-E-R-S-H, said in a sworn, uh, said a source told him around 2017 about an FBI report on Rich. According to the source, Rich's computer showed the DNC staffer had relayed DNC documents to WikiLeaks. So here we go. This is exactly what I was looking for. Rich's computer showed, a D, that showed the DNC staffer, that would be Seth Rich, had relayed DNC, that's Democrat National Committee documents, to WikiLeaks, a pro-transparency group. <laughs> I'm a pro-transparency group, too. Hirsch spoke uh, about the source's claims during a phone call with Ed Butowski, an investor who later retracted claims about Rich's brother, Aaron, being a WikiLeaks source, and discussed uh, the call during a, de- a deposition. Rich, the DNC's voter expansion data director. So this guy was no dummy. You know, he was, he was up there in the Democrat Party. But they, they'll kill their own, you know, to protect themselves. Rich, I'll start again. Rich, the DNC's voter expansion data director, was shot in the early morning of July 10, 2016. Right before uh, Trump's uh, um, nomination to, the, to, uh, to um, be the Republican nominee for president. It's interesting, about a month before. Hmm, that's interesting. July 10, 2016, near his home in Washington, in, in Washington. Rich's murder remains unsolved. Well, of course it does, because we know the government did it, right? Authorities have claimed that the killing was a robbery gone wrong. Yeah, I don't think so. Nothing was taken. Julian Assange, the head of WikiLeaks, has suggested that Rich passed DNC files to the group which released the DNC files in 2016. U.S. authorities have alleged that Russians hacked into the DNC system. Let's see. Anytime they blame the Russians, the Democrats blame the Russians. Okay, it's, it's, a, it's a Democrat operation, right? We can just take that from all the times they've blamed Russia for everything they've done. So it says authorities allege that the Russians hacked into the DNC systems, but those allegations were made before the FBI received images from the DNC server to determine their validity. So in other words, it said the Russians did it before they even knew who did it or what was there. See, I mean, this, is all stuff, this stuff's all prearranged. Then it says the Metropolitan Police Department is the lead investigating agency into the death. It has declined to say whether the FBI was helping with the probe into Rich's death. So that would be the, the Metro D.C. Police Department. Oh, please, the same people that brought in, you know, Trump supporters, called them insurrectionists, and used them as a cover to commit a coup underneath the Capitol. That Metropolitan Police Department? Oh, gee, I bet they're really honorable. You know, and the fact this happened in D.C. is quite fascinating. Anyway, new records. Next heading. The new records were found after the records office contacted an unnamed FBI special agent during its search for Rich's work computer. And that's according to Seidel, somebody I mentioned earlier, and I can check again if I need to. The other records include a letter from a third party that accompanied the work computer and two FBI chain of custody forms. Hmm, they actually maintain chain of custody. Interesting. None of the records were indexed to, Rich's, to Rich inside of the Bureau's central record system. Let me say that again. None of the records were indexed to Rich inside of the Bureau's central record system. That's how they hide things, right? And neither the forensic report nor the custody forms mention Rich's name, according to the FBI. They also weren't included in the electronic file created for Rich's case. Great. So all the evidence associated with Seth Rich has been conveniently undocumented, unlabeled, uncategorized, unfiled, and is somewhere, somewhere. Hmm. The agent claimed that disclosure of the records would harm an FBI investigation into allegations that Russians hacked into the U.S. systems. In other words, it would get in the way of their propaganda. That's what he's talking about. Uh, He says the FBI now wants uh, the court to agree to keep the new records shielded from Brian Huddleston, 
a Texas resident who filed a lawsuit against the Bureau for ignoring a Freedom of Information Act request for records on Rich. That's what you call a FOIA, F-O-I-A. So when you hear someone saying, well, we FOIA'd them, that means Freedom of Information Act, F-O-I-A. So yeah, and the, the confusion continues. Then it says, Bureau officials initially claimed in sworn statements that the FBI had searched for records on Rich but didn't locate any. Well, of course not, because they, they systematically unlabeled everything they had on him. So it would get lost in the system. Well, we can't find it. It's like seen in uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark, where they take the ark and put it in a, in a box, and the box looks like every other box in a warehouse, and nobody knows where it is. Yeah, that's, that's Seth Rich's files. Then it says, in 2020, for the first time, the FBI admitted it had files from a computer belonging to Rich. Some of those files were then released to Huddleston and made public, including documents that appear to suggest that someone could have paid for his death. Well, of course somebody paid for his death. So painfully obvious. Anyway, this is the FBI has said it has images from a second computer owned by Rich, with which the Bureau described as Rich's personal laptop. So in other words, they collected all the computers on this guy. This guy had backup computers. Right? He's not stupid, right? So he probably has other backup. There's probably stuff out there still that he gave to other people, other friends, anonymous people. At least we hope so. Maybe even Julian Assange. I don't know. But it says the FBI has said it has images from a second computer owned by Rich, which the Bureau described as Rich's personal laptop. A federal judge in September ordered the Bureau to hand the images over to Huddleston, finding that the Bureau improperly withheld them. Of course they did. And then we have your Metropolitan Police Department, your little file here. It says homicide victim. And there's a picture of Seth Rich, $25,000 reward. Victim, Seth Conrad Rich. Location, 2100 block of Flager Place, Northwest. That'll be Washington, D.C., Sunday, July 10th, 2016, 4.19 a.m. So they killed him at 4.19 in the morning. Why? Because nobody else will be out then, right? So it says on Sunday, July 10th, 2016, approximately 4.19 a.m., Mr. Seth Rich was shot and killed in the 2100 block of Flager Place Northwest. The Metropolitan Police Department seeks the public's assistance in gathering information uh, regarding this homicide. So they, actually, they do regard it as homicide. But they say it's a result of a robbery, even though his wallet and watch and everything else were still found at the scene. Back to the FBI. FBI argues computer, not an actual record. <laughs> oh, really? It is. Then why, do they, why does the FBI seize computers of everybody? You know, article says the FBI has repeatedly obtained delays to the production unorder and still hasn't produced the image of Rich's personal laptop and his work laptop, which it says is being held in an FBI evidence room. <laughs> like the warehouse of the Rangers of the Lost Ark, right? Then it says the Bureau hadn't explained whether it ever took possession of Rich's personal laptop. A Department of Justice lawyer said at one point that the Bureau was working on getting the files from Seth Rich's personal laptop into a format to be reviewed. Oh, really? So they couldn't read it off his computer. They had to put it in a new format. That's interesting. I wonder if they do that for anything else. Seidel said in the new uh, declaration that the FBI does not have, nor has it ever had, physical possession of the actual personal laptop. I don't believe that for a second. The work laptop was conveyed to the FBI from a non-governmental third party. Well, that's interesting, according to the FBI. Gee, who could that be? <laughs> Under the Freedom of Information Act, Seidel asserted that the computer is not an actual record, but is physical object evidence that isn't subject to the law. Well, that's interesting. So they say we don't have it, and even if we did, it's not valid. It's not evidence, even though it is. <laughs> uh, and the Seth Rich uh, you know, murder mystery continues. Pianchi? This sounds like a, a Hillary Clinton, uh, Bill Clinton, or, or a Democrat operation, like the other 66 people who have been mysteriously murdered. 
What do you well, think? yeah, it could be. You know, I was just looking at a, uh, <clears throat> your memories on Facebook at a post that I put up with Hillary, Barack, Michelle, and Biden. It goes back nine years. That's mm. too long to be fooling around. My goodness. What did it say? What was your caption? Well, it was a cartoon of them oh, writing. But but think about how long we've been uh, dealing with this thing as it revolves around Barack Obama beginning, then the Donald Trump, now Biden. Then you look at that 2024 to be possibly either another four or eight years, mm-hmm. take you to 2032. That's 24 years. Yeah, then we'll have cold fusion. Then we'll have to worry about it. <laughs> yeah. We'll... Uh... We'll just uh, get an instant fusion charge, you know, like uh, Back to the Future. Uh, we run a new fusion here, you know, Fusion Man, or whatever the thing was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, this is, this is quite fascinating. But the pattern is very similar. Uh, the deep state maintains itself. The deep state goes after anybody who's an enemy. Uh, and we talked about this. Something else I want to explore, too, is, is uh, RFK, Robert Francis Kennedy Jr.'s assertion that CIA killed his uncle, uh, Jack Kennedy. And so, and, the, and the, what I find interesting about that are the parallels. So in other words, in a, a previous time, a president was assassinated for, for, I think, not going to war the way the deep state wanted, uh, wanted him to go to war. He didn't go to war against the Russians in Cuba. He didn't expand Vietnam. And he was also, like Lincoln, uh, that actually wanted to go back to uh, or use you know, U.S. Treasury notes as opposed to Federal Reserve. Now, Lincoln, that was before the Federal Reserve, but Lincoln, I think, uh, had some kind of currency thing. He wanted to have you know, real U.S. dollars based on silver and gold. Uh, and Kennedy wanted to return as well. Nixon took us off the gold standard, which is kind of interesting, too. Um, but anyway, this, this, kind of, uh, this, this thing continues. And this is why I question, you know, I've heard these, these secret attempts on Trump's life. You know, who would do it? Well, who else would do it? The deep state. You know, they're the only ones that hate him. You know, Americans, you know, they may disagree with his policies, but I don't know how many, how many non-governmental people actually can't stand Donald Trump for what he did. Because what he did was improve the economy and do all kinds of things and get us out of wars. Most Americans don't want to go to war in stupid places for no reason. But the government does and the military industrial complex does because they make money. So do you have anything further or, or where, where would I start looking for these mysterious attempts on Trump's life? And is there a parallel to the people that killed uh, John, uh, John Kennedy? I don't know, but I've heard that there has been a tip on his life. Of course, you know, I'm kind of surprised. He, he, Go ahead. You know, the big problem, and another big issue is the news media. News media uh, is a systematic racist organization. Yeah. Yeah. They don't print. Uh, they don't report. They don't print things of that nature because it would take your attention off of something else and also probably uh, give you an error of sympathy for somebody's trying to kill a man. So why isn't that out there? You know, why isn't Trump himself saying it? Well, of course, if he says it, people say, well, that's just Trump saying it, and he's lying. So it has, we need a bunch of other sources to come out and, and report, you know, what's going on. I think people should know that. Well, there should be other sources, and I think the main uh, concerns at MSN, they are terrible. You know, the one that's uh, programmed into any new computer that you buy that you must use them practically, they're terrible in writing their stories. Well, I see that. As a, so I never look at them. 
they're always the first one in my search when I do a, a new a news search. The MSN comes up first, mm-hmm. then Yahoo News, and then uh, then the other liberal sources: Wall Street, uh, not so much Wall Street, but the New York Times, Washington Post, CNN, MSNBC. All the liberal sources come up for the first twenty. So I usually go to I usually start on page three to try and find the real articles, you know, or you have to hunt because they they mm-hmm. sneak in the good ones, but you got to hunt for them. You know, so this is this is why I spend a lot of time looking through articles, you know, to use on the show because I have to wade through so much, you know, leftist pap before I get to anything that uh, that's real and makes sense to me. Here's another one for you. We can kind of close out the week on this: the culture war. Why the right must fund art. So one of the things that the right, you know, the the conservatives, patriots, American folks, MAGA folks, what they don't do uh, is what Elon Musk did, which is put his money where his mouth was and actually bought a social media company. You know, the, uh, the folks, if you want to get uh, the word out there, you've got to engage in the culture war and the entertainment war. There need to be more conservative stand-up comics, more conservative artists, more conservative musicians, more conservative actors, and conservatives need to back. We need conservative patrons of the arts, and I actually need some conservative patrons of Action Radio, to tell you the truth. So once again, our Give, Send, Go account, givesendgo.com slash Action Radio, yeah, I think you need to fund us, too, at a huge level, you big corporations that... Uh, you want to remain free and have customers to buy your products. Anyway, the culture war, why the right must fund art. And this is from the, uh, it's in, it's from Jordan Alexander and the, the place is intellectual takeout. So this is one of my other thought provoking sources. Uh, so our person, Jordan Alexander says, Elon Musk recently asked the internet what they thought of the culture war. One shrewd person suggested that the right needs to focus on funding artists rather than just politicians. <laughs> I just said I agree. So, yeah, I do. Um, This is from Elon Musk. I think the right needs to start funding more artists, filmmakers, and writers instead of the politicians and super PACs. You don't win a naval war without any ships, and you can't win a culture war without any culture. We've been reacting too long. Time to go on the offensive. And that's from Elon Musk. There's a website here, Get Paid Writing. I guess that's in his tweet also. Well, I tend to concur because I think the same thing. We're not going to get citizen legislation unless we get some big backers out there and some national figures talking about us on, on national news. And that's what we need. Anyway, he says, as a writer, I may yeah, be Yeah, that's one way. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead, Bianchi. Yeah, that's one way. Well, and that's the but, point. But uh, what will be the, what will be the interest for the uh, backers? As far as what they get out of uh, out of a citizen legislature, yes. <laughs> well, I can think of a ton of reasons. You know, first of all, freedom. Well, yeah. Uh, increased prosperity. Yeah. Uh, purchasing power. You know, travel ability. Yeah. You know, there's a million things. Uh, buying uh, buying the products, the goods, and the services produced by the corporations because people are more free. They have a greater income. Uh, lower corporate taxes. Lower personal taxes. Uh, lower amounts of regulation, increased markets opening overseas. Freedom always brings prosperity. So what is in their interest is to create freedom through the arts so we have freedom through politics. So I can think of a million reasons why why, uh, um, various uh, corporations and and institutions in various places would fund the arts and fund Action Radio because we're both concerned with freedom. There's there's this thing uh, that Ed Asner mentioned on a show. It's kind of interesting being being a liberal that he is, but he was right. I don't know where he got it from. Uh, It said art upsets. Science reassures. That's why these government people say follow the science. We're here to reassure you that the vaccine is safe and effective. But art, I mean, action radio is an art. I don't think it's a science. You know, we're not purporting, you know, we don't do scientific research here. Well, actually, we do a lot of logic and reason. But mostly what we do here is art. 
writing, creativity, thought, uh, outside the box. You know, there is no box. So we are definitely, from, a, from an artist's point of view, and we're definitely part of the culture. There is no culture of action radio yet, except for us. There is no culture of citizen legislation. There is no culture of we the people write the laws that we consent to be governed by yet, but there will be. So, so we're not only are we creating history here, we're creating a, a new culture, a new way of thinking. Well, that's an art. That's not a science. So in that respect, they should fund us. Because what we do is we increase the level of freedom for everybody, which increases the property. I mean, it increases the prosperity. Uh, and it increases uh, investments in both time and money. So people invest time in their art because they have more ability to engage in art, whether it's writing, music, you know, theater, things like that, because we're more free and more prosperous. These things always work together. What's the first thing that the Marxists do is they clamp down on the, on the culture. You know, they have approved books, approved shows, approved news broadcasts. They, they clamp down on that. So, so if you want freedom, you have to support the arts. You have to support the music. You have to support the theater. And you have to support independent, uh, you know, news journalism. And in our case, a completely independent, brand new type of media, action radio. There is no other action radio but us. There is no place in the world you can go. Uh, and get a citizen legislature attached to a radio show. This is it. This is the only one. And I'm fine with that, <laughs> you know, because I started it. But the point is, we need that patron support, and that's the freedom that we can bring. So what we're offering here is the ability of anybody to write a law, uh, and if it's good enough, you know, get it into law and have it passed and signed by the president, a real one. Well, that's, that's, a, that's a cultural shift. That's a psychological shift. That's a, that's a monumental shift on, on, on so many different levels to engage in that. And yet that's what, we're do, that's what we do here. To us, that's a perfectly normal proposition, but not to the rest of the world yet. So that's why all you folks out there need to invest in Action Radio. GiveSendGo.com slash Action Radio. Back to the article. He says, there's no doubt that the right is full of great artists and talented individuals. Taking a look at history, we see the tradition uh, conservatives hold is, to, uh, is, is a full... Uh, and beautiful, is full of beautiful artwork. Historical churches like the uh, Hagia Sophia <clears throat> as architectural marvels. I'm not even sure where that is. I've never heard of it. Murals depicting the scenes from the Bible, like in the Sistine Chapel, represent some of the finest historical painting. And in music, Bach, who was a devout Christian, uh, is a name known around the world. Well, so there you go. So you conservatives, you know, uh, there's a lot of traditional artists. I mean, how many people say that their art is, is uh, you know, dedicated to God? This show is God-inspired, God-protected, and God-directed uh, in many ways. Look at all the people on it. You know, the, the one thing I find surprising, pleasantly, is that there's a universal belief in God with all of our strongest advocates. Well, that's because God believes in freedom and wants it for us. Makes me a devout Christian. Okay, fine. You know, but to, to the Christians, uh, you know, it's, it's like the, the belief in God is what brings a, great, a greater belief in freedom. Those two go hand in hand. That's one of the things that I discovered during this show. And I absolutely believe it. And we'll keep talking about it. Back to the article. He says, even within the past hundred years, two of the biggest names in literature are J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis, one a Catholic and the other a Protestant convert. And both men extolled conservative virtues like family, tradition, honesty, and bravery in their works. I'll give you another one. Star Trek, Gene Roddenberry. You look at all those early Star Trek episodes, the first, the first, uh, you know, the three years, the original Star Trek, Every one of them has a theme of, uh, you know, international brotherhood, humanity, uh, multiculturalism, okay, uh, and freedom. Look at the deck of the Enterprise. There is a reason that Uhura was African and uh, Chekhov was Russian and Sulu was, was Japanese and all these other folks were together in the same place. That was historic for that time. 
Why? Because Gene Roddenberry believed in that. Why do you think all the episodes go to the planets with the prime directive of not interfering with their natural development? Why do you think Star Trek was so concerned with freedom as the cure for so many of the problems in all the planets they came to? Because that show was about freedom, in case you didn't notice. Back to the article. However, the modern mainstream is dominated by a very secular Hollywood and by progressive artists. The problem is not for lack of artistic talent within the conservative or libertarian camp. The problem is with artistic opportunity in that camp. In fact, since the left abhors free speech, I would contend that creatives have a friendlier home on the right. I tend to agree. He, said, he says, part of the problem is that the university system largely is in the left's grip. When young artists want to develop their craft, be it painting, film, writing, music, or something else, I don't know, like action radio, <laughs> the citizen legislature, the university system should be a place where they can develop critical thinking, explore ideas, and learn the technical side of their medium. Um, I actually did, but it's kind of a backhanded story I'll have to save for another time. But I actually did learn a lot of what I do here at university and a community college that taught me radio broadcasting and production. Okay. He says, students should read great books, watch groundbreaking films, and analyze thought-provoking paintings. They should be exposed to the Western art tradition they are following in. In other words, something resembling a proper liberal arts education. Instead, today's, instead, today's universities are full of left-wing propaganda. Yeah, liberal arts actually was a good thing. Okay, to be generally educated was a good thing, even if, even if you didn't have a major or a direction. Uh, but left-wing propaganda has nothing to do with liberal or liberal arts. Article says many other artistic institutions are also gate-kept by the left. Hollywood is the obvious example, but in order to get work published, displayed, or released, artists have to get their work through the left-dominated outlets. And we're going to see that, too, because we're involved with a movie called The Falcon. So Mario Prado, who's been on the show, uh, is the producer. And I'm working with him on various aspects of the film that I can't talk about yet. Uh, we'll have other folks involved with it. But uh, we, are, we are involved with a Hollywood production that is a constitutional historical action film that relates to then and now. And that's all I can really say about it until the website comes out. But we are trying to break through as conservative constitutional artists presenting a vision, which I think is going to be fascinating, considering I'm getting to have that vision, which is kind of what, because of the work I do here at Action Radio. <clears throat> and then it says, and you don't have to look hard to see the bias of these institutions. In other words, talking about the, 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 um, the left-wing, left-dominated outlets. Uh, oh, yeah, I already said that. Okay. It says, in one wild example, the entire staff of a literary publication resigned after one editor published in an interview she'd done with uh, the writer Alex Perez. Not sure who that is. Perez is a graduate of the premier writing program in the U.S., the Iowa Writers' Workshop. Not familiar with that either. And he currently writes for a variety of political publications like The Spectator and Tablet Magazine. Okay, now I'm going to look this guy up, Alex Perez. His shift from creative to political writing happened when he decided to write what he wanted to write about. The world of fiction simply wasn't interested in his stories because those stories weren't woke. Good art simply cannot exist in this climate. Good art isn't afraid of being bold and challenging, uh, and challenging prevailing ideas. Well, that's why I say what we do here is art. It's not science. It is stifled by an environment that worries about offending and questioning the narrative, both things the left is overly concerned with. Concerned with excuse me. Institutions that aggressively police art based on boundaries set by the left will ultimately squash creativity. Look what happens to us. Look what happened to Jordan Peterson, the Canadian psychologist. Look at, uh, there's something else I was going to think of. Look at our movie, like I say, our movie, The Falcon. 
look at uh, look at everything we do here is challenging exactly what this article is talking about. I'm going to run over time by just a few minutes, but I want to finish this and uh, get Pianchi's. It says, as a result, the authoritarian left cannot outcompete the free speech loving right in quality art. One only has to look at the number of film uh, remakes, reboots, and adaptations compared to the number of original movies in Hollywood within the last few years. Tolkien noted this exact phenomenon in The Return of the King, saying, the shadow that... There's my warning. I get this voice in my head with a 60-second warning. The quote is, the shadow that bred them can only mock. It cannot make, nor real uh, thing, new things of its own. I don't think it gave life to the orcs. That's O-R-C-S. It only ruined them and twisted them. So that's it. The shadow that bred them can only mock. It cannot make. There we go. Not real things on its own. That's a very interesting quote. He says, all, things bring, oh, all this brings me back to the tweet that sparked this article. The right has so much untapped creative potential. While it's important to fund and support political candidates who will uphold conservative values, it is also imperative to fund art that promotes conservative, art that promotes conservative values. I should write this guy. After the interview that caused such pandemonium, Perez says many people reached out to him in expressing frustration with the state of literature at the moment. And then we've got a couple of things here. I think that's about it. And then he says, artists just waiting for the floodgates. Artists are just waiting for the floodgates to open. I've seen a few conservatives working to build new creative institutions. So I hope that it's only a matter of time before more outlets appear. In the meantime, artists stand by in anticipation. That would be me. Pianki, do you remember the recording I played of Ben Garrison, the cartoonist, the political cartoonist? Remember that one? Like maybe in the last three or four weeks. He's one of those guys. No, I don't think I do. Okay. It's in the podcast. You can go back and uh, probably on a Thursday. But um, what do you think of, of us being uh, an art creative outlet uh, as opposed to being a, a, a news journalism radio show, which we're not, and the state of art? I think the, the author is absolutely right. And I think I want to contact them and let them know what we do and see if we can get maybe an article on us. Jordan Alexander, the author of this article. Well, I don't know too much about art to speak on it with any authority. Mm-hmm. So it would be uh, interesting to hear what uh, what people would call in and gravitate to it. Okay. Well, just a couple of quick questions before we go. Uh, how many conservative stand-up comics do you know? How many conservatives what? Stand-up comics. How many stand-up? How many conservative? stand-up comedians if you had. How many people are making fun of, of Brandon right now out there, major, and, and getting coverage? I can't think of any. I can't either. Okay. Conservative art. How many people are, uh, you know, doing and that would be, of, it, and now I'll see yeah. where you go with that. It, it, uh, hey, it's, it's a, it, it raises an eyebrow. It's a, one of mm-hmm. those, mm-hmm. Moments. Remember, it's not what's being reported. It's what's being not reported that is really important. You know, look mm-hmm. at the show. We're an outlet. This is a conservative, creative, patriotic uh, outlet. Uh, and, you know, we're changing. We're, we've changed the broadcast medium. We're the first action radio show. No one's ever done what we do. Yeah. Just like Candace uh, Owens. Her report, her, uh, her showing up on the scene, terrorists, the, the young man, uh, that is what's needed. We need more of that. Mm-hmm. Wait, wait till people are copying us. That's going to be fun to watch because <laughs> they're not going to do it as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that's it. 
anyway, that's uh, this has been a quite an amazing week. You know, you look at the things that we've accomplished and the people we've talked to, and more is coming. We've got some amazing guests that I'm working on um, for the show. Now that we're, now that uh, the new year started, everybody's gotten over their holidays. It's time to get back to work. And to me, the work is the fun. You know, I don't need a holiday. Uh, holidays to me are a waste of time because I can't get done what I need to get done. But uh, the work itself is what makes it fun. Any last thoughts this week? And uh, otherwise, I'll talk to you Monday. It's, it's, it's curious to see what goes on with the Speaker of the House. Yeah, let's watch that over the weekend. I think Monday I'm going to do uh, a big investigation of uh, Brenda's trip to the Virgin Islands, specifically because there's nothing written about it. Actually, you know me. The minute there's something missing, I say, wait a minute, what do you do there? Or I'll think of something else to do, or maybe uh, um, some, I think that I think that Virgin Islands is going to be uh, is going to be Monday show. In the meantime, I got some music. We're going to go out of here on the William Tell Overture, uh, and then I will talk to you all Monday at uh, seven o'clock. So we'll have uh, first hour with me, second hour with Jonathan Mosley, third hour with Dorothy Diana on our, our Sex and Politics Monday, <laughs> which I tend to call it. But everybody have a great weekend. And again, BlogTalkRadio.com/slash/CitizenAction. I'm sorry. Yeah, Pianki, go ahead. Oh, Pianki left. I think you got a thank you in there. So again, our website's blogtalkradio.com slash citizen action is the show. Writeyourlaws.com, W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S is our legislative site. And to uh, help us do what we do best, you know, contributing to, uh, as, the, as the article just said, uh, givesendgo.com slash action radio. That's givesendgo.com slash action radio. Let me play a little music and I'm back, to, back on Monday morning at uh, 7 a.m. Central Time. Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? 
sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.